Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Yo, welcome to the show, everybody. Um, another episode of the Movement Boxing Podcast. Um, feature me, Twine Divine Liberty. Um, as usual, I got my panelists and co-hosts with me. Uh, we got Two K the God from the Guys of Boxing Talk. What up? Good. All right, we got a uh, Bo and Bernard from the Truth and Facts about Boxing. What's going on with y'all, fellas? Windmill. What's going on, man? All right, and we got a uh, big cool from Colossal Boxing Talk on as usual. What's going on with you, man? Hey, it's all good, man. Happy to be on for another show. All right, for sure. Um, so we're going to dive into another week of boxing topics. You know what I'm saying? You know how we get down. You know, we start off with our reviews. Uh, we had a, quite a few uh, fights this weekend, so we're going to get it uh, going right now. Uh, starting with the females, man. Um, Nuno, Uno, Nuno, you know what I'm saying? Cecilia Brackus took on uh, Clara Spencer. Over the weekend, actually, it was on Friday, I believe, right? Um, yeah. But, yeah, she uh, defended her title, all of her titles, and yeah. this decision victory. Um, 2K, let me, let me get your, let's get your analysis on the fight, man, and on how you saw everything play out. Yeah, big up to um, Cecilia Braggers, man, retaining her um, uh, undisputed status, the only undisputed champion in all of boxing. Uh, after Friday's win over Clara Spence, and it was pretty one-sided. Um, I think one judge had her winning every single round. I had her losing maybe one or two rounds, I believe. Um, but I'm going to go at something you said, Twine, um, a couple of days ago. Um, you had mentioned that, I think it was yesterday, actually, you mentioned that this was probably her best performance. I'm going to disagree with that because I think, her performance against Ann Sophie Mathis, the rematch, that was probably the best performance. Um, the things that she did in that ring to get her out of there in two rounds, you know, when in the past they went to, a, you know, the whole ten rounds and it was a unanimous decision win for her back then. I think that was more impressive. Plus in this fight, Claire Svensson is very wild. Um, she didn't really have a, 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 how do I say, a strategy it looked like she didn't have a strategy in there. It looked like she was kind of winging it. She may have had a strategy, but I don't think she executed it very well, um, unless it was to be wild and just to come at um, Cecilia Braggis, who's definitely the more polished um, technical fighter than the two. Um, but I think a lot of the success that we've seen Cecilia have in that fight was due to Clara Svensson's stamina problem, man. She got tired at round three. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm watching a fight. I'm like, damn, dog, the, the third round just ended, and you already huffing and puffing this shit in the corner. Um, also, I think in round two, Cecilia Braggis took shots that she didn't have to take. Now, granted, she was trying to get used to her opponent. She was measuring her a little bit. But she took some shots she didn't have to take in that round. That was a round I actually gave to Svensson. Um, so 
I think after round uh, three or four, might have been four, that's when Cecilia actually stopped. Um, she would stalk her, and when she would stalk her, she would bait her with the jab. Um, and Svensson would try to come back with something behind her or on the top of her jab, and then uh, Cecilia would back up, take a step back, and then counter her. That's what I was waiting on her to do from round one. She didn't actually get it in or at least start being really successful with it until about round four. So, um, but from that point on, it was pretty much a shutout. Um, not her best performance, in my opinion, but she, she did what she had to do with the female of uh, Svensson's caliber. It's clearly levels to this shit, and Svensson is nowhere near on her level. Actually, I'm looking at Svensson's record, you know, and I'm like, how the hell did she beat 17 people? <laughs> looking at how amateurish she looked in that fight against Cecilia Brackett. So, but it was a good win. Um, of course, like I said, she retains her undisputed status, man. I don't know who the fuck's going to beat her. 35 years old, she's supposed to be slowing down, and I don't see that just yet. I don't know who can beat her at welterweight, man. Yeah, she ready to have my baby, basically. That's what she said. Bone, let's pass it on to you, man. Uh, your thoughts about the fight and uh, where she goes from here, man. Well, it's definitely not to have your goddamn baby, but, you know, Strange <laughs> shit has happened in life. Um, to what to, you know, to, to what two K said, I can tell you how she beat seventeen opponents. Two K, not one of them seventeen opponents was named Cecilia Brockers. Yeah, That's how true. she beat seventeen true. opponents. She had never faced anybody of that level or caliber. Um, I mean, there really isn't much that you have to put on. There really isn't much that you you can even put on what you said. She was just like you said. Um, there was a there was times when I thought that. Uh, Cecilia, it, it just seemed like that she was just she was she wanted to engage and get at the girl because she was hitting her with some good right hands, some good hooks, and she wanted to get at her. But like you said, the girl was wild. Like I was watching the fight, and I had stepped away and came back, and like you, I'm thinking, oh damn, I, I'm, I'm asking myself, how long? I was like, damn, how long did I step away from watching the fight because this chick looked like she was tired and it was the tenth round. And when I heard the announcer say we're in the middle of the fourth round, I said, what the fuck? <laughs> I can't believe yeah. it. Because she yeah. looked at that tired, which led to her getting wild, which is why, because if you watch the fight for like the first maybe two rounds, you know, Cecilia looked as sharp. I thought she was going to get the knockout. So once the girl got wild, Cecilia being smart, being a veteran, didn't want to over push it to get caught with something. So, but I mean, you can't really add much on what you said, man. It's just another dominant performance. I probably like, like we say, she's, She's exceptionally dominant. I don't see nobody beating her. And it's just a shame that here's somebody who is who is fighting all of the best people. Like, this motherfucker's coming up for her. And she's embarrassed and she's making everybody look amateurish. Thirty five years old. They was talking about she was having weight problems and all of that. I don't see no rust on her at all, period. So Ooh, you know, but she, you, she, you know if well, she has weight. weight yeah, if she has weight problems, man, that would be excellent, dog, because if, that means that she possibly might have to move up into Clarissa Shields' division if she's having weight problems. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was rumors that maybe them saying that she injured herself may have been to buy her time for, uh, to make weight. And I, I'm not going to lie, she looked at a little bit, just a tad bit bigger than what I normally, because I, I, I'm interested in seeing what, the, what she rehydrated to. I'd be interested in seeing that. But you know, I I'm one of I like to seeing that meat on them bones. I ain't gonna even lie to you. But uh, good fight though, man. Good fight. 
I hope Showtime looks at this and looks at that performance and man, this is what we need to be showing because I really think people really need to see this that that kind of performance is sad, but that kind of performance is excellent as it is. It won't be appreciated by casuals because there was no knockout. Yeah, I actually tweeted that to Steven Espinosa last night, man, that uh, he needs to work on getting Cecilia on Showtime, you know saying, if you really going to make a push at women's boxing the way we think he is. So that was my suggestion to him. Um, as far as uh, 2K, I think, uh, to me, I was really impressed with it because she started off fast. That was probably why I was more, most impressed. Like She normally fills out a little bit longer. But she was kind of aggressive for round one, which I thought was, uh, you know, kind of different for me, you know, seeing her. Um, like, she came out even, you know, throwing that right. And she was just real aggressive from the jump street, you know, from the beginning of the fight. So that's why I was pretty impressed with it. And, you know, like, she was able, she was picking her shots, you know what I'm saying, like you said, because the Spencer was so sloppy, you know, but she was picking her shots. You know, you could see her looking at her shots as opposed to Svensson, who's, you know, her head's down, not knowing what she's throwing at. So, you know, that was my biggest thing, you know. That's why I was kind of impressed with it because she was looking at all of her shots, you know what I'm saying, so much to where she could throw her uppercut from, like, five feet away kind of stuff, you know. So, you know, that I was just impressed with how she was picking her shots and she didn't waste any time getting started in this one. So, um, but, yeah, we're going to go ahead and uh, go to our next topic. Um we had a, a IBF title. Well, no, what is it? Uh, the WBC uh, super middleweight yes, or sir. light heavyweight? Okay, light heavyweight. Light, he- light heavyweight. <clears throat> okay, yeah, WBC light heavyweight title uh, eliminator. Somehow, you you got another chance at a title. That's <laughs> um, Facing a uh, lighter Alvarez. Um, it ended in, uh, I believe, a fifth round knockout for Alvarez. Um, I'll go ahead and start off with the uh, big cool. Did you see this one? No, I didn't get a chance to see the fight. Uh, I was looking forward, couldn't really find a good uh, link to it, so no, I didn't get a chance to see it. All right, uh, Bernard, did you check this one out? Nope. All right, y'all, y'all killing me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just want to watch it. No, I want to watch No, no, don't even, don't even say that, shot. man. But the title, man, he doesn't even deserve. <laughs> Fuck that fight. Oh, man. He said it wasn't for the IBO title, so it didn't even matter. If it wasn't for the IBO title, it didn't matter. Give him an IBO title shot, dog. That's what I'm talking about. One of them, WBO, IBO. Give him the dark IBO. green bill. Shout out to the oh. IBO, baby. <laughs> <laughs> man, 2K, uh, I'll pass it over to you, man. Oh, uh, my goodness. What did you see in this fight, um? It was actually a pretty interesting fight, I guess, for as long as yeah. it lasted. Um, but let me get your thoughts on it, man. Well, I'm going to keep it real short because um, Alita Alvarez looks pretty much the same um, as any other fight I've seen him in. Actually, recently, earlier in his career, he was looking extremely well to the point where it was like, damn, man, as soon as he gets to the top, man, it's gonna be he's going to be a problem. But I said maybe his last three or four fights, um, especially the one where um, he was supposed to fat fight uh, Chad Dawson. I think his name was um, Robert Barrage, the guy that came in for Chad Dawson, if I'm not mistaken. Um, okay. Especially from that fight on, man, he looked bad, um, in my opinion. Um, he actually showed that he can get hit with a straight left hand, which is very bad because that's a Donna Stevenson's money punch. Um, 
And in this fight, I didn't see anything different. I didn't see him uh, hone his defensive ability so he's not getting hit with unnecessary shots. Actually, a guy, a guy like Lucian Boutin, in my opinion, man, he, he's a done fighter. Um, going into this fight, Lucian Boutin was um, has one win out of his last five uh, his last five fights. He's fucking uh, 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 one, three, and one in his last five fights. So this is pretty much a done fighter, you know what I'm saying, in my opinion. And he made the fight look good for himself. Um, there was a lot of waiting on Alita Alvarez's part early on. And then, you know, towards the end of the fight, there was a lot of inside fighting to where you're looking at it. I mean, you have to be looking at the fight with a microscope to see who actually came up um, on top in those kind of exchanges. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with the guy like Alita, uh, uh, Lucian Boutte, who, like I said, is done, Alita Alvarez should have looked very good in this fight. He should have showcased himself in this fight. He should have shown us why he was the mandatory initially and why he should still be the mandatory. Now, he did get the knockout, but it just didn't look good getting to that point. It was a short right hand that buzzed uh, Lucian Boutte, backed him up, and then he finished him off with a left hook. It didn't, It just To me, it just didn't look good getting to that point, man. And if he comes into the ring with Adonis Stevenson looking like this, especially not knowing how to catch that straight left hand or, you know, move his head to the right so he can evade that straight left. Um, I'm sorry, to the left so he can evade that straight left. Then I see him possibly getting knocked out by Adonis Stevenson, though. Yeah. Um, you got anything you want to follow up with on that one? Uh, you know, just this. Lucian Boucher got nine goddamn lives. All right, for some reason, for some reason, this motherfucker pops up in fights. He pops positive. He gets another chance. Pops up in another fight, and uh, he just got nine lives. But um, I would I agree with two K. I was, you know, although Alvarez, you know, he won with the knockout and everything. I just I wasn't really impressed by it because it wasn't like he looked at great getting the knockout against a guy who pretty much is a shot fighter, like two said. So, I mean, congratulations for getting it. But, you know, Lucian Boucher is he he's not the same Lucian Boucher we remember, uh, back when he was you know, he was at the top. So but you know, good win. Um I don't really know what to say about Alvarez because it's like two K. He didn't look impressive, so it does make you question or wonder, you know, where does he go from this victory? Because it's like I don't see him competing with none of the top echelon guys at the division right now. So, you know, good victory but Neither one of them. I wasn't impressed by neither one of them dudes. That's you know. That's that's pretty much all you can say about that fight. All right, I'm gonna pass it back to Bernard on this one. Uh, what do you think needs to happen to beat? Is it time for him to hang him up, or you see him continuing to be a a cash cow? You know, that's pretty much what they can use him for there, and how this whole fight even was even made possible. You know, because he still could fill out a stay a crowd there in Montreal. I mean, use him as a you use him as a cash cow. Use basing pretty much a, a, in a hundred seventy five pound as a gatekeeper, or until he turns into a journeyman man. Pretty much that's what I would do. You, he's a name that people could get on their resume. He can fill up stadiums, like you said. Yeah, cash cow, but he could be a step up for uh, those that try to come up in the division. All right. Um. Yeah, I definitely agree with two K on this one. Um. As far as Alvarez was an impressive, you know, uh, butte was actually getting with him, you know, for the majority of the fight. 
So, um, you know, other than those two right hands that, you know, fucked up his nose and the other one put his ass out for good, you know, um, it wasn't really an impressive victory for Alvarez. I guess a knockout is supposed to be impressive, but he didn't, you know, look too special beyond that in doing it. So, um, with that said, uh, yeah, let's get it, Superman. Superman that hope. All right? <laughs> Hold on, hold on. First and foremost, don't come at me like I know what the fuck you talking about. <laughs> Shit. 
you laughing like you No, 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 nigga. Don't come with me with that bullshit, man. No. <laughs> No, you gotta go with that bullshit. I said that motherfucker ring I keep because he fucked up with that mouthpiece shit. shit. <laughs> well, we'll get to that, but you know what I'm saying. So, yeah. You know, so, yeah. So, and that's the problem, though. Like, he, he relies 100% on his athleticism. And when you do that, whenever your opponent, you know, he's he's mixing things up in the ring or he may be doing the same shit, but you may, you know, fail in the stamina department where your athleticism cannot pick up the flaws because your stamina is actually what drives your athleticism, well, then you're a fucking sitting duck in the ring. And that's exactly what we've seen. We've seen a patient Jared Hurd from round one until he got the knockout in round nine. He was patient. He was getting his ass beat, but he was patient. He kept doing the same thing, and uh, Tony Harrison just he wound down, and he couldn't, he couldn't figure out what to do at the end. And to go to Bernard's point, the whole thing about spitting the mouthpiece out, people were, you know, a lot of people were saying he didn't quit. I want people to understand that going back and back to the amateurs, right? Spitting out your mouthpiece is an infraction. Everybody knows that. You you usually get deducted a point if you spit your mouthpiece out on purpose if you've already gotten a warning, right? Yep. Yep. But when you are getting up off the fucking canvas and the ref is looking at you asking you if you want to continue and you proceed to spit your mouthpiece out at that point, that's telling the referee you're done. So the referee is going to call the fight. That shit is known to all fighters going all the way back to the amateurs, fam. You do not spit your, your mouthpiece out when recovering from a knockdown, okay? That tells the ref, I don't want to fight anymore. So to me, he quit in this fight. But he was already quitting early on in those rounds leading up to the knockout. So... Big ups to Jared Herman, IBF champion, um, and uh, Jamal Charlo's absence. Tony Harris, I don't know what the fuck he going to do. Uh, motherfucker need to go, probably go get a job at Walmart or something, man. I don't, don't want to see that nigga in the ring no more. Straight up. Damn. I mean, that's crazy. Like, this is the second time this happened. Like, just like you said in the Willie Nelson fight. Um, you know, he was dominating for most of the fight, winning most of the rounds, picking up rounds, putting them in the bank, and then, he get caught with something. Just start getting caught. Uh, her was definitely patient in this fight. Um, let me go ahead and pass it on. The big cool on this one. Um, what do you see as far as uh, her's prospects from here? Um, what do you think he need to needs to improve on? Because he definitely, uh, yeah, he definitely looked you know good in there for the most part until you know he started landing his right and you know just. Uh-huh. Stalking Tony down. I mean, Hurd is what he is, I guess. I mean, I thought he'd perform better. I thought it'd be a, a closer fight. Um, Tony did his thing in the first half of the fight, like, okay, you know, said, but Hurd would just, he wouldn't really cut the ring off until later on in the fight. He would just follow him around. He didn't really go to the body early like I thought he would, but the uppercut was there, you know, and I mentioned in the video that, you know, once Tony started to lean in and square himself up, the uppercut would be there. And he did do it um, in the second half of the fight, which, you know, one of the, the punches that really, you know, caused him to be hurt. But her got to be more active. And, and and I don't know what it was. And maybe it was just, he just like he said, after the fight, it was, they followed the Willie Nelson game plan. Maybe he just didn't show as much because he knew Tony would do what he did, which would tire her out mentally and physically, start to make stupid mistakes, and, and you know, make them pay later. But, as far as him against, you know, Andre or Laura or 
Jamel Charlo, he's going to have to bring his A game or he will, you know, get embarrassed, stopped, outboxed. But like I said, he's young, um, hungry guy, and he did what he had to do, so props to him. And Tony Harrison, man, just fought a stupid fight, man. I just I don't want to elaborate on it too much, but he started letting his hands, you know, dropping his hands, he charged, you know, started showboating and, I don't know, man. It was just a stupid uh, second half of the fight, and, and he paid for it, and and now he's back to the drawing board. But I think he can bounce back. But yeah, uh, her just gotta, you know, get better, and maybe, like I said, it was just his game plan to follow what Willie Nelson did, knowing that Tony Harrison is a mentally weak fighter who gasses out. So it worked for him, and you know now he got to get better against better competition. All right, uh, and I'll go ahead and pass it to Bo, man. Um, let me get your takes on the 154 division right now as it lays with, you know, uh, in his belt now, you know, the vacant belt that was uh, vacated by Charlo. Uh, let me say to what, uh, what, what, what 2K said and, and what uh, Big Cool said, let the church say amen. Look, bottom amen. line is, yeah, <laughs> bottom line is 154 division, um, with uh, with Charlo moving up and with Jared Hurl holding the belt, it has got somewhat interesting. Uh, Lauda has said that he'd be willing to fight Jamel because Jamel has absolutely no ties at all to uh, their trainer, who is uh, who is trainer Ronnie Shields. I think Jamel has a whole has a totally different trainer, so yeah, Lauda would there. have no right. So Lauda would have no problem fighting him. And of course, you know we all know that there's a backstory to why Jamel has has his other trainer. Also, um, Jared Hurd is a new player in that division. So uh, if you're going to do any kind of unifications, now's the time to try making that. But um, as far as the fight goes, listen, I was watching this fight, and I said this. Listen, Jared Hurd uh, was facing someone that was just as tall as him with the same length, so he was going to have to deal with it and make some adjustments. And I saw, slowly but surely, he started finding his range. He started finding his range. And there was a round, and I don't remember what it was. I think it was a six. And when he hit Harrison with that hook and wobbled the knees, I said, that's it. Oh, yeah. I said, that's it. Yeah, yeah, I said, that's yeah. it. Yeah, when he did, I think it was the six. When he hit him and he wobbled the knees, I said, that's it. The boy that found his range. He's going to be on his ass. And he came out in that eighth round on his ass. And then he came out in that ninth, ninth round, the same thing, on his ass. because. Just like 2K said, Tony Harrison shows lack of ring, not just ring intelligence, but ring awareness. When he got up against that rope, all of a sudden he forgot how to slide left or slide motherfucking right. Okay? Um, also, uh, what I want to point out is 2K is 100% correct, and I said this. If Tony Harrison, when he went down, would have spit his mouthpiece out when he went down and got up. Then he would have got the time he wanted to get a break to clean out the mouthpiece. He looked at the ref, told the ref he was okay. They spit his mouthpiece out. Like 2K said, that is the universal signal for I'm done. Okay? That is the universal And notice he didn't argue that fucking point when the ref yeah. waved the fight. You know why well, he, he didn't, didn't. Argue because he knew Because he knew. Oh, shit. He didn't take it the, he didn't take it the way I thought he would take it. So... Um, you know, Jared Hurt winning the title is 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 good in the aspect of now maybe we have some unification fights. My only concern is um 
will they start try to start making those unification fights right now? Because, you know, what I saw from Jared Hurd last night is not going to be enough, in my opinion, probably to, to, uh, uh, to, to, to beat Eddie Lauda, who's really a slick boxer, because Jared Hurd, um, he wasn't doing a lot of head movement. He kept, when he was throwing his jab, he kept leaning to one side and was getting hit by Tony Harrison. You know, I, I didn't see the Jared Hurd I thought I would see, that, you know, to, to win this fight. So he's going to have a hard time as he moves up. But, you know, props for him for, for having the game plan, sticking to it, and not folding up. Because it was, he knew it wasn't going his way, but he also had a game plan. It's almost like they knew, hey, man, we get this dude in deep water, then we're going to really see what he's made of, because I know what I can do. So, you know, props to him for that. But as far as Tony Harrison, uh, big cool. I hear what you're saying. We're supposed to be positive. I don't think he bounced back from this. You lost back-to-back time in the, in the ninth round. That shit is mental now. No, that that shit is mental. No, no, okay, no, yeah, I'm about to say, yeah, that's, yeah, I'm about to say, that shit is mental. Each time you've stepped up, you stepped up to Willie Nelson, knocked out in the ninth round. Stepped up for a title shot, knocked out in the ninth round. That shit is mental now. That's, that you know, shit in him is mental. Go ahead. You know what, Bo? That, and this fight isn't even a step up for him. He was actually the more experienced mm-hmm. fighter. This was yeah, a step up for true. Jared Hurd. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's true. But it goes back also to this is why I say it's mental. I saw in his face when the ninth round came, and you can see he was wilting. It took him back to the Willie Nelson fight. He did not know how to mentally overcome that in his head, and that's why he spit that mouthpiece out when he hit that floor. He, he mentally in his brain, the boy checked out. We had a comment oh. in the chat room that he tried to pull the Diego Corrales uh, move. What do you guys think of that? Yeah, I no. heard that earlier. I mean, he could have another. 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 And, and he then he didn't even protest it. You know, he didn't even say, no, no, no. You know, he didn't no. okay. Shit, thank you. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, <clears throat> he definitely looked defeated at that point. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you should have watched Tim Bradley versus uh, Hope. Tim Bradley did when he took that knee. So oh, yeah. Done. Yep. Good point. Yeah. All right. Uh, so we're going to take it on to the main event. Uh, Deontay Wilder versus uh, Gerald Washington. Uh, fight ended in what a fifth round knockout. Fifth round, yeah. <laughs> um, hey, hey, you sure you want you sure you want to do this right now? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we can talk about that. Don't fight. We can talk about that one, man. You might want to say that one for I'm telling you, man. Yeah, we should. We should talk about Dominic Brazil right now, fam. That's what we yeah. should talk about right now. All right. All right. We can go ahead and go into that one, man. Uh, I didn't necessarily see it, um, so I'll let you guys chop it up. Um, what's his name? Uzabago. Um I actually had yeah, liked him, you know, prior to this fight. I thought he could do some things and thought he might actually win this fight against Brazil, especially once I saw the weigh-in. So, Should have won. The way it went down. Yeah, uh, 2K, tell me what happened, man. Oh, you know what? I was gonna let uh, I was gonna let either Big Cool or Bernard go first, man, because they uh, or Bernard had the idea to do this, 
So I was going to let him go first. I'm curious to hear his... Uh, his uh, <laughs> yeah, I got to hear this shit. Oh, man, this was a casual affair right here, baby. <laughs> oh, this was a casual one. I was loving this fight. It was knocked down. It was hard-hitting and stuff. Hell, okay, let me say this. I'm about to pull up my scorecard, man, because this shit was pretty much almost uh, a back-and-forth, almost a, a back-and-forth fight starting with the uh, pretty much in the um, third round. Like, you can't Ugono. Had the first two rounds, okay. But then Brazil called him with something and had him laid out in the third round, man. That shocked me because I thought Brazil was pretty much done, for my yeah. opinion. Okay, come back. Ugono comes back in the fourth round, not shut down. So, okay, we got, okay, pretty much, all right. It's, it's, it's looking like, okay, this is going to be one of the fights. This fight ain't going to last long. So we get to the fifth round. And... Brazil catches Ugano once, knocks him down. He gets back up, gets knocked out. This time he gets knocked out the ring, and the fight is over, man. I want to sit here and say this. It was a good fight. I was shocked with Dominic Brazil. I was kind of surprised with how much weight he came in, man, speaking from the last time he fought where they said he went from the last few fights, he was at like 215. Now he's at 253. So I was really kind of surprised for him to have that much put on that much weight. As a heavyweight, but um, I I something with Ogono I looked at was um his stamina. He was out of breath, man. He was yep. He 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 doesn't he wasn't pacing himself correctly. He I don't know if it was being possibly being overexcited too much, or too him much being. Muscle. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Too much muscle, man. Too much muscle. That's this yeah, motherfucker being there. This nigga be in there bench pressing and shit. He be doing the shit I do and then get in the boxing ring. You can't do that as a fighter, man. You have to. You got to slim down on the muscle. You're going you gonna to have stamina issues. Yeah, so I, that, that that definitely played a role. So I'm looking at, man, uh, as for WWE Brazil, I, I'm very shocked at what, how he, he pulled off the victory. I wasn't expecting him to win. I thought he was pretty much done when he went against – he went against um as he went against Anthony Joshua, his where his mindset was at from that fight. But uh Ugono, I don't know, man. He can't I mean he did what he can. I think right now he goes back uh goes back and he goes back to the drawing board and um Dominic man, I mean he's seventeen or eighteen and one right now. I'm not saying yeah. he gets a gets a title shot but Put him up against a contender. Hell, motherfucking no, he better not get no goddamn time shot hey, in that hey, shit. Hey, hey, Bo, Bo, you already know. <laughs> hey, hold on, hold on. We already talked about this on our show earlier today. You already know the bullshit. I've, I've already believed was going to happen, but we well, we touch on that. Yeah, we gonna touch on that after we talk about the main event. We'll get into that. Um, so yeah, Deontay Wilder versus Gerald Washington, um, fifth round knockout. Um, for his first fight coming back off the injury. Uh, Wilder, um, 2K. Um, I'm not even sure there's much to deal with analysis on other than uh, the knockout because, you know, it was pretty much a one-sided fight heading into the round. So, but, yeah, yeah. let me get an uh, idea of what you saw in this fight, man. <clears throat> well, <laughs> oh, shit. Well, let me just say, one, one thing is this, man. Um, 
Deontay Wilder did come off of a hand injury, broke his hand. Um, I believe it was his right hand, his money punch hand. Um, but that shit ain't got nothing to do with the jab. That's all I got to say, fam. And it ain't got nothing to do with being able to defend the jab, okay? It has nothing to do with being able to – it has nothing to do with being able to elude your opponent's pressure and set him up with your own jab. Mind you, he broke his right hand. He jabs with his left. Um, <clears throat> it has nothing to do with being too wild in the ring uh, when you've got your opponent hurt. <laughs> Shout out to my man Wilson, man. He posted a clip at the end of the fight of uh, Deontay Wilder trying to get at Gerald Washington. The nigga was doing literal windmills with his fucking arms. You know what I'm saying? It is ridiculous at 38 fucking professional fights for Deontay Wilder to be looking the way he looks. Now, I'm going to go with something Bo said, and I agree with him to an extent. He said he needs a new trainer. <clears throat> for me... If needing, if him getting a new trainer is to basically try to polish what he's already good at because the trainer he has now can no longer do it, then I'm with that. If we're talking about getting a new trainer so we can make him better at his flaws, at 31 years old with 38 pro fights, I think it's too late for that, especially uh, where he's at status-wise <clears throat> as a heavyweight champion. Um, his next fight better be or let me say this his next fight should be against one of the best at, at the heavyweight division um we should not see him in the ring with another fighter the caliber of gerald washington archer spilka eric molina chris Ariola, johan duhapis we should not see him in the ring with that caliber of fighter in his next fight with that said uh, at this point i know but see berman stavern is, is, in my opinion, better than those guys. The only problem with Berman Stavern is two things. One, Deontay's already beat him and made it look easy. And number two, he hasn't done shit since losing to Wilder. He only fought one fight, and it was against a journeyman by the name of Derek Rossi. That's the only mm -hmm. problem I have with Berman Stavern. Okay, then they're throwing out Kubrat Pulov. Kubrat Pulov hasn't been relevant since 2014 when he lost uh, fucking Vladimir Klitschko. Uh, his last fight, he knocked out old-ass, decrepit, arthritis-having Samuel fucking Peter, okay? A nigga, I, I mentioned this to my co-host. He was like, the African cat? That motherfucker still boxing? I was like, yep, that's who he just beat. You know what I'm saying? So he shouldn't even be ranked number three. Bermain Stervain should not be uh, ranked number one. Who ranked number one should be is who's at number two right now. And, oh, boy, y'all know who I'm talking about, Luis motherfucking Ortiz. Now, if this Deontay Water I seen tonight goes in, or uh, last night, and goes in the ring with Luis Ortiz, bruh, you talking about flatline. <laughs> I think Luis Ortiz, Luis Ortiz is not, this is one thing people don't understand. Luis Ortiz is not only gifted athletically, but he's a smart fighter as well, okay? Motherfuckers bring up his fight with um, Scott, um, and then they bring up subtle things inside the, the Brian Jennings fight. I try to tell them, I've seen Luis Ortiz fight well before those fights. I saw the fight with, uh, damn, the African cat that was undefeated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we had that draw with Antonio uh, Tarver. I've seen that fight. I've seen him fight before that. Luis Ortiz has brought dynamics into the ring, meaning one fight he'll look one way, and the next fight he'll look another way. And he does it based on what his opponent is allowing him to do. 
he, Brian Phoenix doesn't have very much power, so Luis Ortiz is like, I'm going to walk through this shit. I'm about to knock him out because nobody's done it before. Not even Vladimir Putin. Scott, he was Man, just taking it the whole time. You see what I'm saying? So, yeah. Ortiz is going to bring in the ring. Uh, he's going to be the type of fighter in the ring against Deontay Wilder, uh, doing the things that Deontay Wilder is going to allow him to do. Okay? And that's two things. One, he's going to be close to Wilder. Two, he can, he, can, he, can, he can even stand his way inside of Wilder because he knows Wilder is going to back straight up with his fucking arms extended out. That dumb shit he's been doing since he was an amateur. He knows he's going to do that, and he can get inside of Wilder. And he can hit Wilder with anything he wants to hit him with. Bruh, I don't know, man. He's talking about Joseph Parker. That's probably the safest one to go right now. Like, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't fuck with AJ right now. Even though I think AJ's a bit too stiff, I think Wilder can catch him. But that's still a very dangerous fight, uh, looking at this Wilder we seen last night. So Joseph Parker would be the best bet for him. But I better not see this motherfucker in the ring with nobody other than a unification belt or Luis Ortiz in his next fight. Well, um, <laughs> you done with the ether? You done with the ether, 2K? Well, you about to be disappointed in the motherfucker. <laughs> Yo! <laughs> Yo, you done with the ether, 2K? Dominic Brazil. Dominic Brazil is going to be his next opponent, probably. Watch. Fuck out. Yeah. It's going to be Stavern. It's going to be Stavern. That's bullshit, man. I ain't trying to see that shit, man. I'm not trying to the see WBC, The WBC has ordered Burn is Stavern and Walker. Yeah. Uh, fucking bullshit. They ordered. Now, Wilder has a choice he can make. He can try to pacify the WBC by saying, listen, let me pursue a unification fight with Joseph Parker. He can try to do that, and I think they would be okay with it and let it yeah. go down. And he can say, listen, let me do a unification fight with Joseph Parker, and then let me come back to uh, 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 Berman. He, would he have okay. to give uh, Berman step-aside money too, right? Yes, he would. Yes, okay. he would. So that's something that he could look at, and that's something I hope he does look at. Um, oh, I'm sorry, Twan. Whose turn is it? Go ahead, man. No, uh, go ahead, go ahead. No, right, no, you go ahead. Uh, okay. Uh, let me say this right here. And I've said this. I've said, listen, um, there's, there's, there's some unanswered questions about Lewis Ortiz. Um, how will he deal with fighting a bigger, taller fighter, someone as range as Deontay Wilder? How will he deal with being hit once he gets hit by someone that can hit his heart? But also at the same time, how are Wilder going to deal with somebody that's that's going to jump on him and be on him. So there, there's some unanswered questions there. Um, but Deontay Wilder, this is what people have to understand. Like 2K said a lot, but this is what people got to understand. Because it's not that motherfucker is being critical about him. But Deontay Wilder is an American heavyweight holding the most prestigious fucking belt in boxing. He's holding the most prestigious fucking belt in boxing, which is the WBC goddamn belt. And when you are holding that belt, that belt puts you under the microscope. Why? Because that belt is associated with whoever holds that belt is being looked at as the man. Okay? Deontay Wilder relies on what I call his bailout fucking punch, which is his right hand. Now, uh, he was in with uh, Joe Washington, who was a tall man like him, who, was, who also had the exact same length. So it was. It, it, so maybe he took a longer to get off. Whatever the case may be, I don't care. I really don't give a shit because, again, 
The only thing he didn't do is that shit where he puts his hand up like the mummy and shakes back. He didn't do that shit. But other than that, I'm still not impressed with his skill set level. Like, this dude has almost 40 fights, and he's making the same mistakes. Listen, I said this about Broner. I'm going to say the same thing about Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder is a B-level fighter with the elite-level with elite knockout power. That's fucking it. And I'm being nice by saying B-level. I'm, I'm really being nice. I'm, I want to say C plus B minus because he should not be having the issues with these level fighters that he's having and having a hard time with them. He just should not be having that. Now, I'll give him props for this. He doesn't fold, uh, you know, when it's not going his way. He doesn't fold in it. He believes in his power, okay, and he goes for it. But I'm tired of, okay, you know, you beat Burns to burn, and like 2K said, you made it look easy. But then everybody else you struggle with, Molina, you struggle with fucking Molina, you struggle with fucking Spilker, uh, you know, Chris Eliola was a fucking gimme. And, you know, here it is, Joe Washington, and you, know, you, you hear people saying shit like, okay, but he fought a confident guy. I don't give a fuck how confident motherfucker is. Motherfucker's confident when he fought Floyd. That didn't make them not stop looking stupid when he whooped him. I don't give a fuck about how confident you are. When you, when, when, listen, you cannot have 40 fights, okay? And look the way he looked. I need to see an improvement in the man's skill set. And the reality is this, because I get in arguments with cats all the time. My issue with people about Deontay is don't, don't talk to me like I said this. You motherfuckers, that when we making these matchups and shit, you motherfuckers, when it came to Gennady Golovkin, was only telling me, oh, he could beat any motherfucking 160, no matter what era, because of his power. So when I say, well, how come Deontay Wilder don't, don't get that same chance that you get 3G? Then y'all want to bring up skill set. The heavyweight division is the only fucking division where skill set has never been an issue. Okay, skill set has not been the main thing everybody looked at. It's been, hey, can you knock him out? Because motherfuckers like seeing big guys go timber. But my issue with Deontay Wilder is I'm tired of seeing him do the same thing, make the same mistake. There is no growth. There is no improvement. It's always a matter of fight that close until he lands. Well, what happens yeah. when you face that one motherfucker? that ain't going to be hurt by that, ain't going to be a tiger on his ass. What happens when he faces another Deontay Wilder with skill? What happens when that happens? He has to have right. a plan. He has to have something to go to. Now, he tried to implement it a little bit, okay? Uh, I saw a little bit. You know, he tried to use his jab a little bit better. But then again, let's, let's even look at that aspect. Joe Washington jab was the stronger jab of the two. Joe Washington jab is moving Deontay Wilder at 220. He's moving his ass. Okay, Deontay Wilder doesn't catch and shoot. Deontay Wilder doesn't use the angle step aside. Deontay Wilder doesn't counter. All right, so I mean, not trying to be critical and shit on him. He won the fight. His right hand is his bailout fight. But when you are an American heavyweight holding the most prestigious belt in boxing, you cannot look this bad almost in the forty fights. And that's my issue with him. So when I say he needs a new trainer, he he needs somebody, you know. Like, just like what 2K said, listen, man, we got to work on this stuff right here, this stuff right here, make you better at it. Uh, love Mark Breland. Love him. Mark Breland, like the guy. But we all know Mark Breland didn't exactly live up to what a lot of people felt his career should have been as a professional fighter. I've seen Mark Breland be the taller man get hit by shit. That I'm like, why are you letting this little motherfucker hit you with that? You're the taller dude. That shouldn't be happening. Okay? So, I mean, he's the heavyweight champion. Um... Uh, is he like I'm, I'm with 2K? Like Ortiz, I think would give him trouble and puzzle him because the the problem with Deontay Wilder is these these fighters like Stoker, uh, 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 and um, Molina and even Joe Washington, 
They are puzzling him while he's in there fighting. And you should, that just shouldn't happen when you can clearly see these motherfuckers are not on your level. Okay? Say what you want to say about Anthony Joshua. I argue catch all the time. But Anthony Joshua gets these motherfuckers out of here. It don't take him, you know, to be bailed out by a punch. He gets these motherfuckers out of here. He gets them out of there. Okay, say what you want to say about Vladimir Klitschko. He gets motherfuckers out of here. He lets you know you ain't on my level. Jab, jab, hold, pow. Get the fuck out of here. Next. Okay? So <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, I'm just saying, man, we, you know, we need to see more out of him. And, it, and people talking about him being windmilly and all of that, you know, I say it's, it's after he gets guys hurt. But if That's he fights, like, yep. yeah, exactly. But now let's say he fights Ortiz and he knocks Ortiz out. Or he fights, like you said, Joseph Parker. He knocks, he fights Joseph Parker, knocks him out. Fights Ortiz, knocks him out. And you can talk about being willing to all he wants. He's winning. But he's winning against part of the opponents. Because the bottom line is, and there's something I want to take back, and I waited for this show to do because I don't want 2K to hear this. I said something we was talking about. I said, I don't want to hear Joshua or motherfucking Wilder talk. Both of them shouldn't talk. I'm taking that back. I'm taking that back because that performance last night, Made me think about something. You goddamn right, Anthony Joshua should talk about why to fight better fucking competition. You goddamn right, Joshua should say I'm fighting the best. I'm fighting the best heavyweight in the last ten years and under twenty fights. Yeah, my last fight against Dominic Bizzelli was against a C level motherfucking dude. But now I've stepped my game. I went from C level to the elite level dude. You're still fighting C, 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 C. Fuck out of here. I'm hey, sorry. We can see more. In there. Throw, throw a couple D's in there while you walk in that chain of C, because uh, <laughs> Johan Duhabs is not a C level fighter. I don't give a That's fuck true. what anybody says. Neither is Eric That's Molina. True. <laughs> That's true. And, and, I'm, and, wait, and, and, and I want to say one more thing too. People say, okay, well he's fighting guys, and I say this, or at the very least he's fighting guys ranked in the top ten. I say it, but it still doesn't mean that they are top guys because they're ranked in the top ten. That that's not what that means. Okay, so. I personally feel like what this motherfucker needs to do is say, listen, okay, I got pride. My pride is taking a hit. I need y'all, the WBC, to let me make a unification fight with Joseph Park. Let me give this motherfucker to run step aside money, fight Joseph Park. Then after I fight and beat Joseph Parker, then I'll come back and we can revisit Stavern. I need him to do that for me. Because if he says nothing and goes forward with this Stavern fight, and say, hey, it's a mando, fuck out of here. He will get it from me. And I'm telling Twan and 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 Big Cool, don't bring the motherfucker on the show. Because he will hear it from me. He will hear it from me. Real talk. Because if you're telling me you want to be the best, then you gotta show me you're making moves to be the best. And this is one of them. Hey, let me make a unification fight, then I'll revisit Stavern. That's what you do. Don't keep hiding behind Mando, Mando. I don't know. Don't keep hiding behind that shit. Sorry. I don't know. Don't keep doing that. Don't. If you're telling me you want to be the best, you know you're going to make it every you're saying, hey, the division is more exciting when this Vlad is because the last thing is Vlad nobody talked about it. Okay. Show me you want to make it exciting. Go out and show us that you're willing to put what you say on the line because Anthony Joshua is doing it right now. I need to see that from Deontay. If I don't see it from him, don't bring the motherfucker on, my, on this show. He will hear it from me. I'm just gonna tell y'all that y'all will lose a battle friend if you bring one of these motherfuckers. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, man, the politics is gonna play out how they play out, man. You know how this stuff always goes. Um, no, dog, bullshit. Come on, I don't want to hear that. 
I
throughout box on the cover. Um, pretty much uh, Manny Pacquiao versus Amir Khan is looking like it's going down April 23rd. Um, I'm not sure if it's happening. Uh, the Arab Emirates are in the U.K., not sure. But um, both uh, tweeted about the fight. You said July. No, Dubai. The fight supposed to be happening yeah. in Dubai. Yeah, I said Arab Emirates. That's part of it. But um, that looks like that's going on in April. Um, let me get you guys' thoughts on this fight. Um, I'll start off with you, Big Cool. Um, long overdue, I guess. They many going to win. They many going to stop them just because. And it's really been severely dented by Canelo. Props to come for wanting to, you know, continue to fight the best guys. I'm pretty sure he's getting paid well. I mean, it should be a good fight because, man, uh, I'm very comfortable to fight. He still has fast hands can box, but he can't take a shot to save his life. So I expect uh, Pacquiao to get him out there mm, six to eight rounds. Depends on if Pacquiao wants to, you know, put the medal to the battle and, uh, and go for it. But I wouldn't be shocked if it was a long, drawn-out stinker won by Pacquiao. But he's going to win regardless, knockout or decision. So, I mean, like I said, I'm not going to pay for the fight, but it's a good fight, I guess. I uh we pass it on to the casual, Bernard. Uh, what are your thoughts on this fight? Hey, hey, what are you talking about? He don't know what he's talking about. I got to, hey, let me give a big shout-out to Malachi. Just in case he listens to it or one of you guys decides to run back and tell him, Uh, 
you know, coming off the injury before he fought Brooke, but then touched this Pacquiao fight. So um, let me get your thoughts on that uh, aspect, man. Oh, it's simple. Cause a bitch. That's simple. Bitch. I'm, I'm just putting myself. I mean, you said, look at what you said. You said that he didn't want to fight Kell Brooks because he needed a tuna fight coming back, right? He told Kell, go take care of Spence. Then come back and look at me. Then he turns around and takes a Pacquiao fight. So that tells us what? He didn't want to fight Kell Brooks. He's a bitch. Khan did to Kell Brooks what Kell Brooks was going to do to Spence. Okay? <laughs> He never, he's never, he's never wanted to fight Brooks, okay? Khan wants a big fight to cash out. Khan has tweeted, Twittered. His followers have allowed him to fight and get his way into fights without actually doing what? Fucking earning it and get his way into fights. And that's exactly what he has done. He has kissed ass, jerked off, dicked on videotape to his way into mm-hmm. a big goddamn fight. That's what he did. That's what he did. That 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 dude took a fight. And I mean, I give him props. I mean, listen, Khan in his own mind is the biggest star that there is in boxing in his own goddamn mind. And if he beats Manny, the only reason why I don't want him to beat Manny Pacquiao is because if he beats Manny Pacquiao, you're not gonna tell, you're gonna be telling this nigga shit. You gonna tell Khan shit. Khan is, and you talking about title hoarding? Do you really think after Khan beats Manny Pacquiao, he gonna let go of that? Oh, I got, I got, I got something to say about that, but I'm gonna let you finish. Go ahead, go ahead. Okay. He ain't gonna fight nobody. He ain't gonna look to fight nobody unless they come in with some big dollars for him. Yeah. All right, hold on. We got a caller on the line. Um, I'm going to let my man Anthony Stacksaw down and come on. Um, he's actually in a, a journalist as well uh, out in Cali. Um, I'm going to bring him on. Uh, what's going on with you, Stacks? Hey, what's going on, guys? So a little bit about this uh, Pacquiao Khan fight. Um, it is gonna. I'm hearing it is gonna be in uh, in Dubai, and it's gonna be a split pay per view. Um, Top Rank does have the Subhub locked up for April 22nd, with the triple header going on there. You got uh, Oscar Valdez, Gilberto Ramirez, and Jesse Magdaleno all fighting that Saturday night at the Subhub Center. Um, they're also saying that Stevenson uh, or uh, Shakur Stevenson is gonna be making his debut on that card. So um, Top Rank's looking to do a, a split pay-per-view for that fight. But uh, I think I think Pacquiao's going to handle Khan pretty easily. He looked good against Bradley. He looked good against Vargas' his last fight. Um, I don't think uh, Khan has the chin that Vargas does, and he put Vargas on his ass. So, you know, I think I think it's going to be a walk-through fight with, uh, with, uh, with Khan. And yesterday, well, actually earlier this week, um, Juan Manuel Marquez was offered seventeen million dollars to fight Pacquiao in September in in, uh, in China. So that's gonna be that's what I'm thinking is gonna happen the next fight. Once Pacquiao knocks the shit out of Khan, is they're gonna end up having a fight in China, the fifth fight between uh, Marquez and uh, and Pacquiao. Anthony, you're out there in LA. Let me get your uh, opinion on this. I know you probably heard a little bit of something about this as far as uh, Pacquiao and uh, Khan in their sparring sessions in the past. Um, um, it's kind of said that Khan got the best of Pacquiao from what I've heard from a few stories. Uh, what do you know about any of that in the past? You know, I, I heard he did. Um, I heard he used his reach a lot. He has He's just as fast as Pacquiao, especially coming back down to 47. Um, but Pacquiao gets on the inside. I, I, think he can, I think he can handle him. But, yeah, they, they did some uh, – 
down on that uh, that first uh, first level there at the wild card because they have an upstairs and a downstairs. The downstairs is uh, Freddie Roach's private gym, and uh, yeah, I've heard that Con Con put hands on him a few times, you know, and uh, and touched him up quite a few times there at the, at the wild card. Okay, um, just uh, Anthony, you want to get everybody your uh, your handles, let everybody know your media status, who you work for, and all that, just to give them a shout out while you're on. Yeah. Yeah, I write for uh, Frontproof Media with uh, Joseph Carrera out of uh, Tampa, Florida. Oh, yeah. And I, also write, I know Joseph. Also write, I know Joseph. Yeah, Joe, Joe's a cool-ass guy. I started writing with him, and then I also write for uh, Supreme Boxing. You can catch me on Twitter at, uh, at Stacks Ringside. And then on Facebook, I'm just kind of a little bit everywhere, man. Uh, Instagram, Steel Will and Dedication. But like I said, I just uh, I write for both. been a boxing fan a long time. Uh, I think I met probably a few of you guys out there at the fights before. If you guys been in Vegas or LA fights, I'm sure I've run into you guys a few times, man. My trademark's my hat, so you can always catch me with my with my little cholo hat on. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, you got any fights you covering? Uh, you covering anything coming up? You know what? Just uh, just some local fights. Um, out here, there's a lot of local club fights. Uh, I cover the Belasco once a month, and then uh, Thompson Boxing, which uh, okay. is uh, local club fights out here in Southern California. We had uh, Provodnikov, Josecito Lopez, Timothy Bradley all came up through the Thompson Bannon promotion. Um, they got a fighter that's going to be fighting next week for the uh, Bantamweight Championship, Car- uh, Carlos Carlson. He's going to be fighting in uh, okay. Tokyo against, against Yamanaka for the WWE. Yamanaka, yeah. yeah. We were yeah. actually going to talk about that fight uh, in uh, one of our previews coming up. Yeah, so that's that, that's that's all that's going on right now. Nothing uh nothing majors announced. I know they got that uh Curtis the uh Lemieux fight, the Lemieux, Lemieux Stevens fight coming up in New York. I think Diego Hoy is gonna be on that card as well. Uh Zachary Ochoa from New York, the Puerto Rican kid, the Golden Boy kid from New York is gonna be on that card. Some prospects out there in New York and then uh with the uh, Golden Boy signing that big deal with ESPN, there's a lot of uh, a lot of fights coming up. I know uh the 23rd of March, you got Quigley fighting Glenn Tapia at Fantasy Springs. Then April 1st, they got the Cosmo set up. So there's going to be some ESPN fights in Las Vegas at the Cosmopolitan. So a lot what of is that Cosmo. a Delta Boy series uh, at the Cosmo? Yeah. So the April 1st, okay. uh, the first one is uh, March 23rd. That's at Fantasy, Fantasy Springs. That's uh, Tapia and uh, Jason Quigley. And then, April 1st. I'm not for sure who's going to be on that card, but that's locked up. That's a Saturday night at the uh, the Cosmo in Vegas for the, the okay. ESPN card. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, thanks for calling in, Stax. Uh, we definitely going to okay. get in on some other topics, man. Uh, stick on the line if you want to. Um, we'll put it and let me know if you want to chime in on some of the other topics we got coming on. For sure. All right, man. All right, fellas, uh, anything else you guys want to add on to the uh, Pacquiao Con uh, announcement? I mean, <clears throat> I guess I'm going to be uh, the, the, the the outsider here, man. This is this is a fight, not that I'm saying that I've actually been wanting to see, but ever since I was watching a Boxing Nation podcast, man, of, um, or a broadcast of uh, Manny Pacquiao versus um, Juan Manuel Marquez Part 3 back in 2012, I believe. And um, Amir Khan was one of the commentators. And after he mentioned, you know, uh, that fight went to a majority draw, I believe. He mentioned that Juan Manuel Marquez actually won that fight. Um, He said that he wouldn't mind fighting Manny Pacquiao. That was the first time I ever heard Khan say that. And at that point, you know, I'm not a 
y'all know I'm not an American fan by any stretch of imagination, but I respect some of the things that he's able to do in the ring. At that point, I was, my thoughts were, yeah, that's a, that's an excellent fight. You know, fast forward to 2017, um, Khan has had setbacks, um, but his setbacks were primarily doing stupid shit like going to 154 and fighting Canelo without a rehydration clause. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, uh, the Danny Garcia fight, you know, he left his chin open while he was in the pocket and he got knocked out. Um, things of that nature. He's still kind of the same fighter. Um, perfect example was the Devin Alexander fight. Uh, he just completely washed Devin Alexander, and we thought that Devin Alexander would actually beat him. A lot of us thought that, um, or at least he'd make it a good fight, and it was a complete wash. Another one was uh, uh, Louis Colazzo, who just knocked out Sammy Vasquez. He's back on the fucking map. After he knocked out Victor Ortiz, everybody was like, man, Louis's back. You know, Colazzo's back is the one that, you know, that, that really gave Andre Berto his first loss back in 2009. And then Amir Khan stepped in the ring and shut that bullshit up. You know what I'm saying? Now nah, he's back again. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So um, I still think this is an intriguing fight. I'm not going to say it's a good fight. I'm not going to say that um, uh, Amir Khan is going to beat Manny Pacquiao. Um, one thing I'm going to disagree with with, with uh, Stax is that he said Pacquiao looked good against Jesse Vargas. I disagree with that. I thought he looked okay. Um, Jesse Vargas had a home for his straight right hand in that fight. Um, if he would have had the power that motherfuckers were trying to market him as having. I mean, I remember literally, bro, before this fight, dumb motherfuckers was out there like, Jesse Vargas has a right hand from hell just because he landed <laughs> right hand on Tim Bradley. You know what I'm saying? And shook him up. So if he would have really had that right hand from hell, he would have hurt Manny Pacquiao with it as much as he was landing it. So with that said, I didn't think he looked very good in that fight. Um, and going into a Miracom fight, a guy that actually has much quicker hands than uh, uh, Jesse Vargas, he's able to land the straight right handed. That punch is in his arsenal. Um, he throws combinations and bunches. Um, it, it's an intriguing fight, man, and I can understand why Miracom actually touched his ass up you know, back when they were both training under Freddie Roach. I could see that vividly, you know what I'm saying, just thinking about both their styles. So this this is not a walkover fight, you know what I'm saying, by any stretch of the imagination, on paper. Now, the Americon that walks in the ring and the Americon on paper, as we've seen in the past, are two different Americons. So it's really going to come down to what Americon we see when that fight is made. All right, uh, anything else, fellas, or can we move on? Next. So we're going to talk about uh, Canelo and Chavez Jr. They've been doing their press tour pretty much over the past week. And uh guess I'm not sure what's really happened, but there's supposedly a wager on the fight uh, as far as uh, putting, uh, I guess, the majority of their money on the line, or I guess uh, Chavez Jr. putting his whole purse on the line in this one. Uh have you guys heard anything about this? I'll go ahead and start off with a bow on this one. About what again? I'm sorry. Uh, Canelo and Chavez Jr. and their uh, wager uh, on their fight coming up on, in May. You guys know I've always said, felt, and will always say that Chavez Jr. is a career fuck-up. And I didn't care for this fight. But once I saw that wager, I said, uh-oh, shit just got real. So, and the reason why I say this, and I'm allude to something that uh, 2K said, 
is at first I too thought it was a mistake for Chavez to start training so early. But now, by him doing it, and he made this wager, it tells me, okay, he's taking it serious because even his father said to him, you can lose to whoever you want, but you can't lose to this motherfucker because there's a whole lot of um, there's a whole lot of uh, 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 Mexicans who aren't really that happy with Carnelo with dropping his belt. And Chavez Jr. sees this as his way of becoming the favorite son again that he was once before. So it made it interesting. Now I did hear something about that you know Carnelo may have uh, that you know you know taken back or backed out or, or something. I, I remember. Somebody saying, somebody posted something in Ring IQ that, you know, Carnelo is already trying to back out of it. Don't know. But it definitely made it interesting. But I, I'm at least not more intrigued about the fight because it does look like Chavez Jr. is taking it very seriously. So we're going to see what happens. All right. Uh, let me pass it on to uh, Bernard, your, your partner in crime on this one. Uh, what are your thoughts on the whole wager? That's going on with that. Uh, one of- Whoever loses is going to be on suicide watch after that fight. <laughs> I, I predicted that already, man. I, I, I for one, I do agree with both. My guys, one of my guys that did kept saying is Jose kept saying, yo, I'm telling you right now, uh, watch out for Chavez Jr. I'm like, what you mean? Look, he's coming in slim, and he showed up slim to the um, – their media um, their press conference and everything. And he's like, yo, I'm telling you, watch him. Watch him. I'm like, no, nah. I'm like, no, nah, I don't know if they shot it. And, uh, well, you know, I'm just looking at it. He's taking it serious. He's slim. He's focused. And he wants to. But like I said, though, somebody is on suicide watch for putting all that money up at the end of that fight. <laughs> but, yeah, I, 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 I totally, I, I'm, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. No, I was saying though, I'm kind of shocked that Chavez Jr. has been very consistent. I think it's actually been beneficial that he started that training camp early because yeah, it allows him to keep that weight down from that previous fight. Because he when he looked at one that 168, he looked pale. He looked like a zombie. He looked drained, but he still won that fight. But to see him now, I think he'll be to continue on with that progress. I was, I don't think he'll be. That hard on him. So when he pretty much, I think, it's, what I'm looking at it as, he's going in there and he's trying to keep the weight off before the actual training camp starts. Once the training camp starts, he ain't got to focus on that weight. He can focus working on his skill set and the skills he needs to be Canelo. So I think it's beneficial to him. But other than that, again, I'm going to reiterate this. Somebody's on suicide watching all that money up. And then also, too, though, if I'm correct, if he comes – a pound over or whatever, each pound is a million dollars or whatever, according to the party. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that motherfucker ain't trying to lose that money. Shit. Nah, yeah, okay. even, if he's a, even if he's a half a pound over, he's going to pay it still. Uh, let me bring the stats back on. He's going to let us go, uh, know a little bit more about this wager. I actually saw uh, Chavez Sr. might have said something in the news recently about it as well. Uh, but uh, stacks so yeah. about it as far as yeah, the wager. So, so what happened was um, they filmed the the golpes, the golpes over at the ESPN studios in downtown LA. After uh, after they filmed that, 
and uh, Chavez Sr. went up to Canelo's camp and basically says that he didn't want to wager. It's a, it's about ethics. He believed that there was too much politics involved in Vegas and that one way or the other his son would end up losing that fight and didn't want to put that type of money up. Uh, because of the money, he was scared that that fight might go towards Canelo's direction, that Oscar might have too much pool in Vegas. He didn't want, he didn't want the bet. So the bet, the bet is actually off. That wager is actually off. Um, but Chavez, man, Chavez is going to come in the best shape of his life. He seriously is. He's uh, training at the Romanza Gym in Mexico City. Mexico City is in elevation. It's about 7,000 feet in elevation, and it's probably one of the most polluted cities in the fucking world. I mean, it's, it's horrible. The air up there is horrible, but he's training his ass off out there in the elevation. He's got Nacho in his corner. Um, I know uh, he was turned down by Freddie. He was turned down by Robert Garcia. He wanted Garcia to go down and train him, but Garcia has a stable of about I'd say about fifteen to twenty fighters and he didn't wanna he didn't want to leave the stable so he ended up going with Nacho. Um you know his only two losses are to Fanfara and to Martinez. And uh you gotta figure when he fought Fanfara, Fanfara was probably hundred and eighty five pounds the night of the fucking fight. Canelo's not gonna be that big. Canelo's gonna come in the smaller man and that motherfucker got seen man blocks on his fucking feet. He's not gonna outbox. He's not gonna sit there and, and and pull a fucking Floyd or a Manny and, and, and go in and out on fucking Chavez. He's going to end up going toe-to-toe to him, toe-to-toe, and we're going to find out what his chin is fucking made of, if he can actually take a punch. You guys seen what fucking Kirkland did to him in the first two rounds. Kirkland was fucking catching Canelo clean. If he gets hit <clears throat> like that by fucking Chavez, Chavez might just turn his fucking lights out in those later rounds. Um, I, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but he's, for, for Chavez to win, everything's got to be perfect. He's got to come in and shake. He's got to fucking concentrate. He's got to listen to everything fucking Nacho's telling him. And he has a good fucking opportunity to win this fight. Yeah, yeah I, I, right. We were talking about this uh, earlier, uh, well, a couple of days ago in our chat chat group. Uh, as far as calling in for the height group, Chavez, uh, yeah. being able to win yeah. this fight. <laughs> Let me get your thoughts on that comments, man. Um, as far as a uh, strategy and game plan, and how how he thinks the fight will turn out, as far as uh, exchanges, exchanges. Um, I mean, I, I I partially agree with what he's saying. Um, one of the bigger things is that um, he mentioned Canelo's cement feet, which I was a huge um, uh, pusher of that. I told a lot of people, you know, being down here in Texas, man, there's a huge Mexican fan base down here. I used to try to tell all these Mexicans out here that Canelo ain't got no footwork, man. He's real stagnant. And he can't move unless somebody, you know, cuts the guy or chisels the goddamn cement off his feet. That's the only way he's going to fucking move. But against uh, Miguel Cotto, <clears throat> he actually moved very well in that fight. Um, Liam Smith, I don't count because Liam Smith was in there as a piece of steak any fucking way. Same thing with, uh, I'll go to a fighter who just recently fought, Jared Hurd against JoJo Dan. A lot of people were like, man, Jared Hurd was getting hit too much and da-da-da. Well, he fought like that because JoJo Dan was coming up from 147. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He, he, was, he just went in there and pretty much attacked JoJo Dan and walked through his punches. Same thing with Liam Smith. It, we, we all know, uh, some people out there were dumb, were dumb in thinking that Liam Smith could actually do something with Canelo, but <clears throat> the real box enthusiasts that actually know how to break down fights and styles, we already fucking knew that Liam Smith had nothing for a Canelo, as well as did Canelo know and Oscar De La Hoya, hence why they even made the fucking fight in the first place. So, 
you know, <clears throat> the, the way he fought him is not the way I don't I don't see him fighting Chavez Jr. that way. I see him fighting him the way he fought Miguel Cotto, and that's really Chavez Jr. Uh, pretty much walking his way into counter left and right uppercuts. Um, I see that happening all night long because Chavez Jr. has absolutely no fucking defense. Uh, secondly, Chavez Jr. can be outboxed. I mean, we can go way beyond, and me and Twan talked about this, we can go way beyond Sergio Martinez. Um, we can go down to a guy named Sebastian Zivic, outboxed, um, um, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., but it was a majority decision win for Chavez Jr., okay? I'm not saying Canelo moves like Zibic, but he has the same arsenal that Zibic has, and he's actually a little better at it as far as his jab, his counterpunching ability, um, his speed, and his power. Um, the only difference is the movement, but Zibic isn't a world-class mover like, say, uh, Rigo or Erislandi Lara either. And he was able to do this, and this is back when Chavez Jr. was a much better fighter than he is today. So, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> one thing I will say is, um, and, I, and I dropped a video on, on my channel a couple of days back where I stated that um, my co-host mentioned Chavez Jr. back in January trying to already make 164. And at the time, we were like, no, that shit's stupid. Now that I think about it, it was actually a great decision because <clears throat> he won't be trying to make the lower weight at the last minute like he did for Dominic British in his last fight where he looked like a fucking skeleton on, on, a, on a Mexican television, okay? But instead, he will be acclimated to the weight, right, uh, doing it months prior. And when the fight actually comes up, his body will already be used to the weight that he's at. Therefore, he shouldn't have any the stamina problems that he's had before. Um, he shouldn't have any trouble training for this fight. He, his body will already be acclimated to that weight. That's one thing I will give him in his favor. I don't think he'll have any weight issues. But still, Styles make fights regardless of the fact that he's going to be in weight for the first time in like 26 years of his fucking life. It doesn't matter. The motherfucker is still have to go in there with the same style, and his style is tailor-made for Canelo's. What do you think, even with the height advantage, though? Um, you still see it playing out that way? Um, doesn't matter because... I mean, this is, he, does, he does have Nacho in this corner. I don't know if Nacho would necessarily have him in there taking, you know, taking away from that height and reach, you know. But, the, main uh, you thing know. Nacho, the main thing Nacho is good at doing, um, he could teach you how to to counter, he could teach you how to use your jab a lot better than what you've been using it. The, the only thing I expect Chavez Jr. to do going into this fight is to maybe have a more purposeful jab. But the problem with, with Chavez Jr. is he's tall, right? He has a, I think he has a three-inch reach advantage, if I'm not mistaken. But he fights too close to his opponent. He doesn't fight from the outside. He fights from mid-range yeah. distance to inside distance. Also, he crouches. If you watch his fights, he's got kind of a hunch in his back. So that gives up his height, and then him fighting too in close gives up his reach. <laughs> so yeah. there's the answer to your question right there. Okay, cool. All right, Stacks, thanks for the info on that one. Uh, I know you're probably going to chime in on something else we got coming up as well. Uh, we're going to move on with the topics. Uh, let's see what we got coming on. Uh, actually, um, Stacks had touched on this a little bit as well. Um Looks like Oscar Valdez will be making his mandatory defense against uh, Miguel Mariaga um, on a card that will be at um, StubHub Center. Um, what do you guys think about this fight? Um, you know, 
the only thing, well, we probably have only seen Miguel Mariaga a few times. Um, I've seen him on ESPN and, you know, also on the fight against Nicholas Walters. So those are pretty much his two biggest uh, fights as far as anything. Um, what do you guys think of this fight uh, against him and uh, Valdez? Um, I'll start off with Bo. Um, I'll be honest with you, man. I haven't, I, I, I haven't seen the other guy he's fighting. I've seen Oscar Valdez, uh, Miguel Moriaga. I haven't really seen much of him. Don't really know that much about him. So I'm looking to be surprised and finding out something about him. But I do like, I like this. I like any fight for Oscar Valdez that's going to get us a chance to see him. Like I said before, I, you know, he's a champion. I like I like his upside. I like what he brings to the table. He's you know he's one of the you know one of the younger guys. He's a new champion at 126, and I'm hoping that whoever wins this fight, whether it's him or Mayorga, these guys will start looking to get their names in the mix for unification fights. Because like we talked about earlier, I don't want Leo Santa Cruz and Carl Frampton to be the talk of 126. We need to get some of the other guys in the mix. So whoever wins this, hopefully they they they'll be looking to do some unification. Uh, that's pretty much all that. Cause like I wish I knew more about Miguel Mariaga. I don't, but uh, I like Oscar Valdez. I think he can compete with some of these guys. He has a decent skill set. You know, he's not the best. I think a guy like Gary Russell probably not only just beat him, but would give him a lot of problems. But I think he he can still make some interesting fighting and some interesting moves at 126. Yeah, I actually think Gary Russell are the two best at uh, 126 at the You know what I'm saying? Right now. Um, I think they're probably the two best fighters in that uh, division. Um, I know uh, Valdez has talked about trying to uh, unify against them, but, you know, um, it, 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 well, we still haven't seen a lot of top rank in uh, TBC interaction, even though they said they were going to that uh, realm of possibilities. Um, let me go ahead and pass it on to 2K. Uh, tell us what you know about uh, Mariaga, the Colombian, I believe. Uh, like I said, we've seen him against Nicholas Walters. Uh, yeah. he's been, you know, uh, a decent performance, you know. Uh, he comes with a fight. Um, I kind of think he went in survival mode against uh, Walters once he got, you know, knocked down. But he, he definitely, he's a game dude. Um, what do you think of him in this fight against uh, Valdez? Uh, he's much like his uh his uh, other countrymen that I don't know if he's still fighting. I can't remember. I think he's still campaigning at, at Cruiserweight, but Edison Miranda, whereas there's a lot of big power in his punches. <clears throat> there's not a lot of defense. Um, he, like you said, he once you get hit, they kind of bow out of the fight. This is exactly what happened with Edison Miranda whenever he fought uh, Kelly Pavlik and others. Um, so whenever... Based on what I see, man, Oscar Valdez should run away with this one. This shouldn't be um, too much of a of a uh, a task. One thing I will say is Valdez needs to be wary of uh, overimposing himself. That's one thing that he tends to do. Um, he gets in the zone and he starts uh, uh, imposing his will on his opponent, coming forward with absolutely no defense. Um, Mariaga actually stands back and, and uh, uh, is able to bait him into doing that and then catches him with a nice right hand, he could possibly hurt Valdez and put him on the canvas. Um, and then we will be in a situation where we'll have to gauge whether or not Valdez um, can uh, overcome adversity, um, which is something that he needs to, to actually go through at this point in his career, especially being a WBO champion. 
So, um, but if that doesn't happen, this will be another uh, breakdown of a fighter <laughs> by Oscar Valdez, in my opinion. All right. Uh, big cool. Bernardi, do you got an opinion on this one? Uh, big cool. Uh, Valdez should, should win. I don't know if he'll stop uh, Miranda, but or whatever you pronounce his name, because I think he was the distance with uh, Walters. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I think, you know, he'll outbox him with a, you know, a clean, unanimous decision, but it's a fight that he should uh, win, but uh, it'll be a good fight. All right, uh, what about you, Bernard? Any uh, last takes on this one? Oh, no, I mean, I, I agree with the panel, man. Valdez is going in for the win. I um and he's definitely had somewhat of a I guess a resurgence um since going with uh, Emmanuel Robles. I like the, a lot of the things he's implemented in this game, you know what I'm saying, as far as uh offensively since uh joining Manuel Robles as stable in uh Carlton Carson, California. Um we're gonna go ahead and go into our next topic right now. Um it's looking like we got an IBS super middleweight title eliminator, uh who actually holds that ball right now? Uh, Andre Ward, right? The IBF? No, one, no, one, no. One, uh, no. 168. Uh, 168, yeah. my bad. One, see, I'm tripping. 168. Uh, James DeGale. Okay, James DeGale. Okay, so this will be IBF t- title eliminator to face him um, between um, Andre Durrell and Jose uh, Um <laughs> Definitely an interesting fight. Um what do you guys think of it as far as uh, I guess the uh, the Gale is injured right now, so um, you know, tell him what's really his status and how soon this will happen. But what do you guys think of this fight as far as it being for the title eliminator? Uh, and definitely with Andre for Andre Durrell to have a chance to get a a rematch. Um, that's the biggest thing right there. So let me go ahead and start it off with a uh, Bernard on this one. I thought you was going to start off with under, um, other Andre Durrell fan on 2K, but I'll take this one. <laughs> hey, I'm a fan for it. I, I'm i I'm, 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 I'm going to be biased on this one. I'm going to be honest. I'm going with Andre Durrell, the resurrected man. I feel like once he gets through him, he'll have his chance to prove and get that world title that, world title that he wants. And I mean, we saw how he beat against the Gale in the first fight. We also know how the Gale is. He stars off the first six rounds, putting it on and everything, then he wavers the, the, the next six rounds. I'm pretty sure I think he'll look at the tape from the Badu Jack fight against him, him and the Gale. I mean, the Gale and Jack fought. Look at the tape of him and the Gale, and he'll probably come with a better game plan and how to fight the Gale, and I think he'll get the win on that one. But as for this fight, I'm going with the real man. There ain't nothing else to say about that. Hey, I'll pass it to 2K, though. Let him break it down. Well, I mean, I, I fucked up his name, and we, we did a video on this already, but uh, Jose Tatigui. Uh, that's what I think it is. Now I'm just going to call him my fucker Jose from now on. Um, <laughs> he hey, was, I tried, man. I tried. I don't even vote. I don't even think vote could have got that one. And, you know, he speaks Spanish. So. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But um, he's a he's a decent fighter, man. You know, nice little you know C plus level fighter. Um, <laughs> not, nice fighter for uh, Andre Durrell to come back to. You know what I'm saying? You know, get him up out of there and uh, try to get that rematch with James DeGale. Um, 
Joseo's only loss, uh, one fight, and that was to Matt Korobov, uh, who we all know lost to Andy Lee um, in his recent right. big fight. So, but um, he's still a couple levels under where we would like Andre Durrell to be. And what I mean by that is if we look at Andre Durrell and we look at his skill set and we say, this motherfucker should be champion right now. Or at least, yeah. you, you know what I'm saying? Or at least be a contender getting ready to fight for a belt, right? But yeah. what he's been doing, um, he we can only put him at B-level status. But the status that his potential says he's supposed to be at is levels above Jose. So um, I don't see him uh, being in trouble in this fight. He does have a suspect chin. Um, if he if he starts feeling himself, which and this is something Andre Durrell does. A lot of people don't talk about this. He starts feeling himself in the ring, meaning he, he becomes complacent in the ring. And he, he can get touched with shots he shouldn't be getting touched with. The perfect example was the James DeGale fight early in that fight. He can get touched with shots he shouldn't get touched with. He was getting touched by Carl, uh, Carl Frotch, a fight I thought he won, of course, uh, uh, Andre Durrell. But he could have made that shit look easier than he did, you know what I'm saying, than, than, it, than it was. Um, Jose has a big punch. He's 26-1 and one with 22 knockouts. He could touch Andre Durrell if Andre Durrell becomes complacent. That's the only thing that I'm worried about. But other than that, man, yeah, he should go ahead and get him out of there. And we should be looking for a, um, a rematch with James DeGale. Yeah, and Darrell has been down in uh, recent fights, I believe, as well. Um, mm-hmm. Still turning out the win, uh, unanimous decisions. Um, and also, that was what I heard him in the, in the DeGale fight. The Gale fight. Um, <laughs> we're not down. Shout out to Oh, shit. Little Melaroo. Yes. Um, but, um, I don't know if you pass it on to the rest of the panel on this one as far as uh, – let me see if they got any thoughts on it as far as um, Darrell versus uh, DeGale in a rematch. How do you guys get a rematch playing out? Because it's obvious uh, he will be the favorite in this fight uh, going against Jose. Um, so during uh, that he wins the fight, how do you guys see a rematch playing out between him and uh, DeGale? Uh, let me go ahead and get a Bo's take on this one. Well, provided Andre Durrell get past Jose Uzcategui, don't ever doubt my skills, nigga. <laughs> um, <laughs> real, talk, real, real talk, I was going to mute pronouncing that shit letter for letter. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I was going to mute pronouncing that shit letter for letter. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, I actually am interested in a rematch between DeGale and Andre Durrell. Um, my only issue with Andre Durrell is he's got to fight more. He's fighting, what, once a year? Yeah. He's got to fight. Yeah, he's got to fight uh, a, a lot more. But my, that, that's my only issue. But I'm, I'm very interested in that fight because he knows what he did wrong against um, uh, DeGale. And uh, 2K, you know as well as I do, when a fighter knows what he did wrong in the fight, it's better for him going into the rematch because he knows what to work on in training camp. He's not going in training camp clueless. He's not going in training camp, uh, you know, figuring out what happened and trying to blame people. Once he knows what he did wrong, it's better mentally. He's, it's better for mentally going into training camp. So I, I'm actually intrigued by that. Um, now, somebody said he's resurrected. 
Uh, I hope that's true because I would. I, like I said, I, I need he needs to be more busier in the ring, you know. And and I agree with Two K. His 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 he he should be Andre Durrell should be a two time champion. He he should he should be a two time champion, you know. He should be the guy that we're talking about. Uh, him and you know he should be when I first saw Andre Durrell. Yeah, well, yeah, but when I first saw him, I thought these two dudes. But outside of Andre Ward, I said, hey, once Andre Ward left, these dudes are going to win the division. And that's really what I thought. So he definitely needs to fight more. I am very intrigued about him fighting James DeGale. I think by him knowing what he did wrong and by seeing what Bondu Jack did to DeGale, he, you know, he knows, okay, I know what to do and come in with a game plan. So it would be very interesting to see that. Um, my biggest issue is what happens going forward because – I don't know, and we keep bringing this up, I don't know if Bob Arams would be eager to throw Gilberto Ramirez in there with one of these guys right now. Oh, definitely not. Definitely not. Um, I don't see it happening. They're uh, leaning more towards trying to get Gennady in, uh, even to come up from 160 more than anything else. I don't see trying to do anything as far as unifying against uh, the 168 guys, but we'll see. Um I definitely think uh, it, it'll see, it'd be interesting to see how that pans out. You know, like I said, uh, Top Rank and uh, PBC are supposed to be able to do uh, business together now. We haven't necessarily seen uh, many examples of it yet, so hopefully they still come together on it. Uh, you know, we did see Terrence Crawford against John Molina, um, but, you know, uh, we haven't seen too many other examples, so we'll, we'll keep an eye out on that situation. Uh, with future fights as far as uh, getting into the case at 168. Um, let's go on to our next topic. Uh, one of two K's favorite fighters, Jose Pedraza, moving up to five <laughs> after, after his knockout loss to Javante Tank Davis uh, a couple weeks back, uh, and he's eyeing the Robert Easter Jr. fight. He's doing what? Yeah. Uh, he's doing yeah. what? Uh, I guess Bo has something he'd like to throw out there, yeah. <laughs> wait, 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 no, wait a minute. Hold on, man. Well, I, I know I'm up there in age, and sometimes my hearing, especially when my wife and kids are talking to me, ain't right. But what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> you said is doing what? Looking to fight who? Hey, Bo, hey. your hearing, your yeah. hearing ain't bad because you heard me talk about it already on my channel. So, yeah, this is the second time you heard it. <laughs> it ain't bad. He's going to 135, and he wants to target Robert Easton Jr. Mm. Right. I, get him I get him motherfucking style points. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to go out, go out big, right? I, mm. I, I guess, yeah, if you're going to go out, go out big. I mean... I don't know what I don't know what the fuck <laughs> wrong with <laughs> <laughs> uh, Let me go. Hey, big coke, big cool. Uh, what you what you think about this move for uh, Pedraza moving up to one thirty five? Um, he was actually one of the uh, on the tall side for one thirty, I guess. Uh, big guy for one thirty, so I, I don't think the weight will be an issue. But um, he was just knocked out uh, by Tank Davis. So how do you see him? Uh, as far as his, his uh, prospects at 135, is will he be a contender? 
Or do you see no. that? No, he won't be a contender. I mean, he simply won't. And I give him props for trying to fight one of the best. Um, it's the lightweight division, but nah, he's not gonna mess with Robert Easton. Too too much uh, difference in skill, height, reach, power, speed, athleticism. Uh, yeah, it's just a bad matchup. But I don't see him bowling well against the other tough guys in the lightweight division. You can't deal with Tank, and not to knock Tank because he's still going fighting. You're not gonna be able to deal with the other guys up there. Um, but props to him for wanting to fight him. You know, we need a lot more guys that had an attitude of want to fight the guy, you know, fight the top guys in the division. So, but a, a potential fight with Robert Easter Jr. is is bad news for him. Just stylistically, he he's at a disadvantage. And you know, if I was Easter Jr., I'd jump at the opportunity, you know, to you know to make that fight happen. Although Pedraza doesn't bring anything to the table, he's not a champion. He's not a big name draw. He doesn't bring big money, but still, somebody calling you out and you don't have anything else on the horizon. I take it and stay busy. Okay, correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't this the same dude that claimed he was upset that he wasn't getting that he wasn't being talked to enough and Heyman wasn't yeah, answering his calls? Yeah, okay, yeah. Uh-huh. so if I'm out Heyman, if I'm out Heyman, this is what I'm doing. Shoot my ass. Take care of my trash. <laughs> mm, mm. Oh man, uh, Bernard, you got anything you want to add on this move, by Pedraza? Oh man, that's suicide right there. I mean, Tank beat his ass at the division. <laughs> and... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, Tank. Yeah, took your IBO and so you can say, "Hey, I'm gonna go up if you get the next IBO." He doesn't know how to respond to that. So L to him. 
Sharif Boguer, Possible L, Richard Comey L, Felix Verdejo. That's who we should probably look at fighting, but they're Actually, both Puerto yeah, Ricans. That is a but good he, fight right there. He won't fight him. Right. Puerto Ricans, he won't fight him. Okay. Dewan's Lada Cannon, eh, he might lose that fight because of the pressure. Peter Petrov, L. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's so out of ten fighters, there's two that he could possibly beat without a question at fucking light at lightweight at one thirty five. So and now with that it. said with that <laughs> right. He beats one of the Ivory L fucking L. Willie D uh, what dude named Willie D or whatever that when he lost to uh Gradovich, he moved up and thought he was gonna be able to do something. Oh, uh, uh, Billy Dib. Billy Dib. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right, Oh yeah. Damn. Definitely. I mean, he. It, it, this is just stupid. And him trying to say. I mean, it, what, what one of the um, articles that I read, what it said verbatim was that you know they were they were looking at Art, uh, Robert Easter Jr. But um, more so a top. They said they have a list of five fighters, and they're all five guys. All five guys are top 135-pound fighters with winning records. That's what that's what was said verbatim. <laughs> so, I, I mean... Yo, you take that for what it's worth, huh? Exactly. We, made ten, we made 10 of them already. <laughs> exactly. 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 <laughs> took some things, man. Fuck them up, yo, for real. Fuck this whole head. That's what I meant, bro. That's what I meant. If, I, if I'm out hanging, I'd be like, yo, you did all that talking, yo, Dennis.
Uh, I think he, I think his only loss was like early in his career, like his second pro fight or something like that. Fight, yeah. His yeah. first fight, yeah. Um, but since then, I mean, he he hasn't really fought, you know, guys. Too many guys to know. Um, I would say more of the C and B level opposition at that weight. Um, so basically, you know, come uh, come March second, he's gonna get a learning lesson from one of the top guys in the. Sport. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's basically. is coming off of his uh, KF victory of uh, another one of my favorite guys. Hey, man. Leave, that, leave him alone. Hey, bro. <laughs> I don't want to talk about that shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> 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 yeah, if, if the listeners who don't know, and Samuel Moreno was one of my favorite fighters back in 2000. Abner Mares fucked that up for me, and Shinsuke Yamanaka really fucked it up for me in, in uh, September of last year. So, But, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, in, in my opinion, Carlson is a step down from, you know, you know so I don't Definitely. If you guys remember, I said a while back that that's something I think, we, I said Rigo should look at that, maybe going down to 118 and fighting Yamanaka. That's a good, that's a good one right there. I like yeah, that. Remember, yeah, I, I, I said that a while back. I said, he, go to Japan and fight Yamanaka. Rico actually could probably make the weight, too. Uh, um, you know, they say he can. I'm pretty sure Rico could make 118. Twan, trust me, he can. He can. Because I know he comes in another 122. So I'm pretty sure that, that would actually be a good move for him. And, you know, he could claim a second divisional title. Um, have we seen anything like that before? Somebody actually moving down after winning the title in the higher division? Yeah, uh, fucking um, Omar. Uh, didn't Omar Narvaez do that? Yes, he did. Okay, remember? Yeah, okay. he sure did. Okay, yeah. yeah. Wow. wow, so that definitely be an incredible feat and probably something. After he got the shit, be out and back in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you already know. Yeah. <laughs> Boxing and seventeen weight divisions, people. <laughs> yep. But uh, that that actually would be a good move. Something uh, I don't know if uh, Rock Nation is, will look into it. You know, they they be nagging their horses on everything. So, but definitely something they should look into, man. Uh, making that fight at one eighteen. Um, let me get everybody else's thoughts on this fight. Uh, Bo, you want to continue on uh, chiming anything else as far as uh, prediction of the fight? The, the Yamanaka fight? Yeah. Yeah. Some, uh, somebody is going to go into the ring with a dream, and they're going to actually see their dreams come true from the fucking canvas. <laughs> laying on their back, back, looking up at the ceilings, looking at their dream come true. <laughs> uh, let me pass it on to Stacks. I know he's going to do something about Carlson as well. Uh, uh, Stacks, welcome back, man. What you got to, what you got to say yeah. about this one as far as Yamanaka? Man, I, yeah, I agree. I agree with Bo 100 fucking percent, man. I've seen, uh, I'm pretty, uh, seen Carl Carlson fight quite a few times. He fights at the Double Tree out here in Ontario. He's a club fighter. He fights at a motel under the Thompson Banner promotion. Um, he just won the NABF title, so he won, like, a little regional title. He didn't really look too good doing it against, against really, a no-name guy, a no-name guy out of Mexico. And, uh, yeah, he's just – he's going to get outclassed. I, I think he lasts four, maybe five rounds the most. He, he stays wide open. He takes a lot of punches, way too many punches. He's a come-forward fighter. 
So he'll probably put some pressure on Yamanaka, but it's nothing that Yamanaka hasn't seen before. It's gonna be a it's gonna be lights out for for Carlson. I hate to say it, he's a good kid, but it's just uh he's gonna be way outclassed. And it, it, I think the WBC could have went a different direction with it. Maybe gave Carlson yeah. a few other fights, but you know it is what it is. Yeah, definitely. Um, be cool. Anything you want to add? I know you uh. Just now starting to get into the lower weights. Uh, we've been we've been covering, you know, some of the stuff. We've actually talked about the Yamanaka Moreno fight before um, on one of our earlier podcasts. Um, what do you think about this fight? Or um, as far as the 118 division in general, um, we just had uh, Zizi, you know, take on our what was that? Uh, Rashi Warren in uh, yeah with a title. Um, how would you? What do you guys think about that kind of that fight right there? Is easy and uh, Yamanaka possibly? So I think Yamanaka. I only think really Yamanaka and she won. I really still have to you know catch up, but Yamanaka should win this fight. Um, he beat my boy Marino Long in the rematch, but like I said, he should win this fight. Um, and you know let the best fight be. Uh, let me get two K's of on that Azizi Yamanaka. Uh, how, what do you think about a fight like that? Man, first of all, Rashid Warren is still an amateur fighter. So, I was never never big on Rashid Warren. I thought he lost both fights to, to fucking uh, Juan Carlos Payano. Like, he, too many mistakes. Um, And that's easy. I'm not going to break it all the way down because we already did it on a different segment, but um, in that fight, man, you clearly saw how he has absolutely no way to respond to too much pressure from a fighter. Um, you knock the guy, and, and, and like I talked about earlier, a guy who is winning handedly and then ends up losing, you know what I'm saying, that tells you that he doesn't know how to adjust and he may have a low IQ. Same with Rashid Warren. You knock him down in the first round, you know what I'm saying, you, it looks as if, like, damn, you're about to beat the dust off this motherfucker. Zizi gets up and does exactly the same fucking thing he had been doing that caused him to get the knockdown, but for some odd reason, Rashid has no answer for it. You see what I'm saying? So, yeah. with that said, Rashid is still an amateur. We're talking about an amateur fighter, all right, and then a goddamn pound-for-pound fighter who's been dominant at 118 pounds for a very long time. Shinsuke Yamanaka makes easy work of him, fam. No doubt. Uh, it just definitely be a see. Uh, I think I'd definitely like to see the fight sometime. Uh, probably a couple of fights down the line for him. Uh, be a nice unification. Um, shit, I guess we're going to go into our next preview, man. Uh, <laughs> pretty Ricky is what they call him. Uh, Tony oh, Bellow versus David Hay. Yeah. Uh, Bellow dropped his WBC Cruiserweight title to take this uh, cash out. You know what I'm saying? We're going to call it Take This Cash Out versus Hey. Already been war of words between them for years. Uh, let me go ahead and uh, I'll let uh, probably I'll let both start on this one, man. Uh, no, no, the fuck you not. No, the fuck you not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you got a problem with you got a problem with Haymaker? You got a problem with Haymaker? Hey, hey, he said man, he's not going to Bernard, go ahead, Bernard. Yeah, so go ahead, Bernard. Um, <laughs> wow. Pretty Ricky versus David Hay, man. 
Bernard. Uh, huh? Go ahead, Bernard. Chime in on this one. Man. Uh, doing right now. I know it's a preview of the fight. I mean, what can we break down of this fight? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm Play just going to break it down on the ca- in a casual, casual way. Just break it down casually, and then we'll pass it over to the analytical cat. Uh, this is a grudge match between two guys, so I'm expecting to see a lot of uh, haymakers, right hooks, left hooks, uppercuts. Uh, I don't see this fight lasting that long, and I believe it. I say mid round stoppage for David A. That's my preview on the fight. Um, this is probably, I would suggest, the casual fight that everybody should watch. If you're a casual fan, watch this fight right here. Stream it legally. Uh, however you can, try to get to watch the fight. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, I think it's going to be nothing but a hard-hitting, hard punches. So, because these two guys got a legitimate beef against each other. Plain and simple. All right. Uh, Big cool. Big cool. You want to chime in on this one uh, as far as what he's, how he's playing out, uh, how long it's going to last? Yeah, well, I guess it's going to last have a long David Hay besides let it last. I can't stand this motherfucker. I wish he would stay retired or hurt himself <laughs> and train. Hell yeah. This motherfucker. This motherfucker talk his look, man, this motherfucker would talk his way into a big fight and not do shit, then make excuses about pinky toe or he'll talk shit to motherfuckers <laughs> that's inferior to him. Goddamn hitting motherfuckers over here with glass. This dude's a pussy, man. I know it's hard to say you call him a pussy or a boxer. No, I ain't never seen a oh. guy. A boy. I have no problem doing that. I ain't never seen a boy <laughs> goddamn top competition Shit. and pick up. This dude is a bully, for real. You know what I'm saying? This motherfucker a bully. I hope he. I hope Bella wins. I know he not, but I can't stand David Hey, man. That motherfucker talk too much and don't fight <laughs> nobody. This nigga is the worst motherfucker to ever crash the heavyweight division with talent and, and you know potential. So man, I hope he gonna lose, but I know he's gonna win and he's gonna call out Anthony Joshua. Or and then gonna end up fighting fucking Marco Huck or somebody. So I don't know, man. This motherfucker. I don't know. I know. He said Marco Huck. Hell yeah. Marco Huck. Hell yeah. He gonna fight Marco Huck or call out Steve Cunningham or hell might call out two K or somebody. Somebody think he can beat up. Oh, I take that fight in a heartbeat. I take that fight. It's gonna be a street fight though. That ain't gonna be no boxing match. That's a street fight. Uh, TK, what are your thoughts on how long how this fight gonna play out, man? Uh, better stepping up to heavy, stepping up to the heavyweight division. Uh, Bro, that's come on, man. Like how you said, how's this fight gonna play out? Come on, I'm not yeah. gonna answer that question. Basically, this this, this is this this is what it is, man. You know, David Hay is is supposedly fighting Shannon Briggs right now. You know, actually he. Actually, the Shannon Briggs fight was supposed to have already happened back in last October as far as what he said and what he promised Shannon Briggs, okay? Yeah. He said, I'm going to fight the nigga Arnold Jibber Jabber. I'm going to fight him, you know what I'm saying? And then you're going to fight on the undercard of that fight. And if we both win, we fight in October. Yeah. All of a sudden, yeah, he's fighting Tony Bellew in March. What the fuck is this shit? Tony Bellew is a light fucking heavyweight, damn it. He got knocked out by fucking Adonis Stevenson. Why are we watching him fight a heavyweight, fam? Like, David Hay is a natural cruiserweight. 
but he has not been at cruiserweight what since what fucking 2008. He hasn't yeah. been at cruiserweight since 2008 when he knocked out Enzo Macronelli. So why are we watching him fight a cruiserweight? And why is everybody okay with this bullshit? This is what I'm talking about, dog. David, hey, bro, like 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 what a uh, big cool said. My man need to find a way to get re-injured and retire. For some reason, <laughs> for some reason, he seems to think that he's still on his comeback trail, even though he's fought two fights since 2012. He, he seems to think he's still making a comeback, okay? Dude, he has too many skills that make fights intriguing at the heavyweight level for him to be fighting cruiserweights. I want to see David Hay fight Deontay Wilder. I want to see David Hay fight uh, Anthony Joshua. He's talking a lot of shit about Anthony Joshua, but, you know, he doesn't seem to be taking strides to get that fight made, okay? He's scary, man. I mean, he's scary, bro. He's scary. I think he's well, – well, well, you got to understand what happened to him against Vladimir Klitschko, dog. This nigga had a campaign, you know, uh, of, of a bunch of followers, you know, uh, following his lead as he's talking shit to both Klitschko brothers simultaneously, dog. And then he goes in there and lays a fucking egg. Gets beat yeah, every goddamn yeah. round. He ain't trying to get embarrassed like that again. That's obvious to me. So that's why he's picking and choosing who the fuck he's going to fight. You yeah, I'd rather him get embarrassed. I'd rather, not to cut you off, I'd rather him get embarrassed, getting knocked out against somebody credible than fight these motherfuckers. I can and, I, and, and I agree. And another thing you got to add in there, another variable that we're not, we're not even mentioning is the fact that he's already explained that the only reason why he's coming back to boxing is for the money. He's already said that. Because when he lost to Vladimir Klitschko in 2011, who did he fight next? Derek Chisora. Then he was on a four-year layoff. And in that yeah. four-year layoff, he was like, yeah, I'm, shit, I'm done with boxing. Then he comes back and says, well, there's a lot of money fights on the table. That's all he cares that, about. That, so that's, if, exactly, that's exactly it. In the U.K., he's going he's gonna to get the money he wants, you know, fighting exactly, value. He's exactly. going to get the money. The, U, the U.K. fans are going to pay for it. You know, if you guys get a chance on YouTube, um, behind the ropes, one and two, behind mm-hmm. the ropes, with value and with value and hey, that's a that's a good little series. It's kind of like uh like our twenty four seven. Yeah, I watched he, it. He, he's out there on a fucking boat on a yacht, drinking champagne, training on a boat. Uh, David Hay is, you know, just yep. clowning the fuck out of uh, value. You know, value's in his garage working out, whatnot, but. Uh, I, I see it the same way, man. I, I, I think David Hale fucking end up knocking him out sixth, seventh round. You know, I, I just don't think uh, Bellew has the fucking power. He's not going to be able to take Hayes' power. And you know, know, he's gonna go to it's, seat, it's, it's definitely a fight where it's, it's low risk, high reward for for David Hay, and that's the only type of fights he's looking for, man. Real talk. And let's not forget this. Your name is Howard versus. This is actually a co-promotion between him and uh, Richard Schaefer, I believe. Uh, their first mm-hmm. joint picture. So, uh, you know, Hay is making the promoter money as well on top of, you know, shamming us with <laughs> shit like this. So yeah. he knows the promoter. He knows he's gonna, the game listen, already. He's going to beat, he's going to beat Bellew. On his way walking back to the to his dressing room, he's going to stab the toe that he heard against Klitschko, retire and fight cancer. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he was talking about on his Twitter, man. He was talking about right. when he, he made that tweet. He was like, all right, I got a big announcement soon. You know, my next fight. And everybody was like, oh, shit, yeah, yeah, who David Hay fighting? This motherfucker tweets, cancer. 
dumb motherfucker. Sit your yeah, bitch ass down, boy, nigga. That's some attention-seeking horseshit, man. Yeah. Mm. You don't want that, man. I hate that nigga. I hope this nigga. Fuck his friends. I ain't going to our, our next fight card uh, series or our next card breakdown. Uh, this one is, I think, the big one going down next week. Um, so we're going to start off with the undercards, though, uh, breaking those down. Um Man, Andres Fafar making his return to the ring for a fight under Virgil Hill um, as his trainer full time. Hunter. Hunter. Uh, Hunter. Virgil Hunter, my bad. Man, why do I always do that? Um, anyways, um, he'll be taking on uh, Bad Chan Dawson, man. Uh, I'll go ahead and start it off with both on this one. Um, is there anything left in Chad Dawson? Um, how do you see this one playing out, man? This is a tough one, man. Um, is there anything left in Chad Dawson? <clears throat> you know, there's 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 a time in boxing where it's such a crude sport that you try to be nice to fighters. Then there's a time when you realize being nice to fighters isn't being real to the fighter and, and not helping the fighter. Uh, the, the, whoever loses this fight, whether it's from fighter or Chad Dawson, the loser, go home. Go the fuck home. You're done. It's over. No more. Go home. That's it. Go home. Go home or accept the fact that you're just going to be a gateway fighter for those guys moving up. Uh, because from far, you know, uh, it's not as bad for him as it is for Chad Dawson. From father lost because he made a, you know, he just made a dumb mistake when he thought he had Joe Smith hurt. But he goes to Virgil Hunter. He he switches and goes to Virgil Hunter. Chad Dawson, this is a guy who everybody had high hopes for. This is a guy who was on his happy trail. And, man, he loses to Andre Ward, get washes by uh, uh, Adonis Stevenson, and the motherfucker just vanished. Like, real talk, he just fucking vanished, Okay. So he's he's coming back. He's fighting from Fada. Me personally, the loser of this fight, just go home. Just just go home. Cause, and even really the winner, I don't see much for the winner in that division, especially if you're talking about the upper echelon. So, you know, I, I, I'm not even going to waste my time picking somebody. You know, fuck it. Fuck it. Just from Fada. Fuck it. Whatever. Shit, it don't matter. I mean, so I'm wondering if this was just made as a comeback fight out there. Was there any serious intention to it, you know, personally? Like, you know, I don't think it was made with. I think know, for Fonfada, it was some serious. I think for Fonfada, it's with some serious intention. I don't know about Chad Dawson. Yeah, because, you know, Chad actually uh, bought, uh, lost. Uh, well, last time I seen him and stuff. Uh, yeah, he lost the decision. Yeah, and he was talking about they want him out the game and all kind of stuff. So yeah. I don't mm-hmm. think this is necessarily a, a – That's what I'm saying. Whoever I mean, loses, yeah. if it's him, if it's him, retire, man. Retire. If you lose to Fonfada, especially if you get knocked out by Fonfada, that's it, dog. Give it up. I Give think he up. should retire either way it goes, especially Chad. I think yeah. Fonfada got yeah. a little left, but I think Chad should look at this as his, you know, his going out party or whatever. I mean, you know he ain't going to look at it that way, but – I think he should, um, you know, go and wrap it up, call it a career, win, lose, or draw Saturday night. All right, uh, let me pass it on to TK. Um, is there anything to break down here? 
Nah, man, it's just exactly what Bo said. It's just really <clears throat> a situation where um, what Chad Dawson are we going to see, man? We're going to see the one that that was uh, scared to throw a punch against Tommy Carpency. Now, I don't know why he was scared to throw a punch. <laughs> um, there's really nothing Tommy Carpency can do. He's not an elite boxer. He's not an elite counterpuncher. He doesn't apply elite pressure. I don't know what the fuck Chad Dawson was doing in the ring that night. Um and he talking about, you know, they're trying to get me out of boxing. Well, nigga, you actually lost that fight because on my scorecard, I had you losing as well. So, I mean, I don't know, man. If if he goes in there as that Chad Dawson, this is an easy fight for Fonfara, even though he's coming off of a loss, uh, knockout loss to Joe Smith Jr. So, I agree with Bo, man. Whoever loses this fight, it, let, let me just put it this way. If it's a good fight, um, both fighters went in there, they, they executed a um, – a very good, uh, well uh, 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 thought up strategy by their trainers, and it turns into a good fight and manifests into a good fight. Then I, I won't say both of them should retire, win or lose. Um, but if the loser gets thoroughly outclassed, um, they need to go ahead and think about wrapping it up. Uh, I'm actually screw turning this. This could be like this could be like Rodriguez and um, what's the guy named uh, Polish girl. Uh, Wallet, Polish, whatever name, you know, oh, they yeah. follow ESPN. It could turn yeah. to those, you know, we get a, you know, a gem. So, like, hopefully, we get that, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what kind of wrinkles uh, Bonfar has added to his game uh, since he joined in the Virgil Hunter camp. Uh, so that's probably what I'll be paying attention more than you know the actual fight itself. Uh, I think Chad is on his last legs or. Should have hung him up already, you know, honestly. But, you know, uh, who knows what the situation is, man. But, you know, hopefully uh, everything turns out all right. You know, both fighters uh, come out safe. You know, uh, Chad Dawson suffers knockouts. Uh, my far is coming off a knockout loss. So, you know, let's just hope both of them can turn out to uh, end up to play safe and on AC. You know, at the end of it, um, that's going to lead us to our another uh, breakdown. Uh, for a WBC title eliminator at a super welterweight, uh, Erickson Lubin facing uh, Jorge Cota, um, and I guess the co-main event of the evening. Um, a lot of people have been asking or begging for Lubin, or Lubin to uh, step up this competition, which I think uh, you know, he's fighting in the title eliminator, so he's doing what he can do on his end. Um, and he'll be facing the winner of uh, Charlo versus Hadley, you know, sometime down the line uh, as a new mandatory if he wins. Um, so let me go ahead and uh, start off with TK on this one, man, uh, breaking with this one down as far as uh, the keys of victory for Lubin. How do you see this fight playing out? Uh, Eric, man, <laughs> uh, first of all, okay, regardless of what we just seen um, with uh, Jarrett Hurd becoming – the IBF champion. Erickson Lubin is by far the better of the two in terms of prospects. You know, of course, we can't say Hurt is a prospect any longer since he's a champion, but it was baffling to me, and I was telling my co-host this the other day, it was baffling to me how they were pushing the hell out of Jared Hurd and making Erickson Lubin continue to fight these C and D level fighters. Um, the, The role should have been switched um, Erickson Lubin should have been taking on the JoJo Dans and, you know, the fucking um, Tony Harrison's en route to a title. Um, so 
with uh, Jorge Coda, man, I don't – there's nothing Jorge Coda does that will trouble Erickson Leuven. Coda lost his only losses to Marco Antonio Rubio. Um, and uh, he's actually a, a bigger guy. <clears throat> he, he campaigned majority of his career at 160, 168 pounds. And he's, he's moved down. He's moved in between these weights uh, his entire career, but he's naturally a bigger guy. But Erickson Lubin is just so fucking gifted uh, technically. Places punches very well. He's got a very high ring IQ, which is probably why niggas don't want to fight him right now. Um, so I don't, I don't see any problems in this fight. I, I, I expect him to get him out of there just like he's been getting everybody else out of there, man. Um, I say he wins, and it's a 12-round fight. I think he gets him out of there in 10. All right. Um, I'll pass over to Big Pooh on this one as well. Um, what's your thoughts on this fight and uh, the prospects for losing William Ford uh, facing the possible winner of um, Hadley and Charlo? I mean, he should win. He has the power. He's a better fighter. He's young. But it's time for him to step up his competition. I feel like he's been fighting for the longest at this same level. Um, and I don't think, even though with him becoming a mentor, I think his handlers should push that as far back as they can because I don't believe he'll be ready for Jamel. Um, now, if, if Hadley win, you got to think, take that fight. But if it's Jamel, which we all know it will be, um, I think that he, he still needs some seasoning. He needs to gradually step up his competition. Maybe he can fight Oscar Molina. Um, or maybe a Tony Harris, Tony Harrison, you know, um, sometime down the line before he, you know, uh, Willie uh, Nelson, or Willie Nelson, or, or, or Willie Nelson, or you know, or Willie Nelson, or Vance Marosian, uh, or whoever it may be. But I don't think he's ready for for Jamel. But he definitely needs to step up his competition because he's. I don't know, man. I'm not sure. I'm iffy on him. I don't. He got potential, but I'm not yeah, sure if he sees yeah. everything because I kind of seen progression, you know, from him, um, but. Like I said, only time will tell, and only way we're gonna find out if he he's the real deal if he step up his competition to fight somebody at least on his level. Until yeah. then, you know the uh, his question marks, and we just have to wait and see. But he should win this Saturday night, and hopefully, you know he puts on an impressive performance um, in doing so. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there uh, as far as them needing to be patient with the, as far as pushing the uh, Charlo fight if he's the winner of the Charlo Halley fight, which we're all predicting he will. Uh, I definitely think that's what may be something that's too soon for uh, Lubin. Um, so I definitely agree with your point there. I'll pass it on to uh, Bo first uh, before we get to his partner in crime. Um, what are your thoughts on that as well as far as um, – his prospects after this title eliminator, uh, Bo? Oh, man, I think it's, listen, um, I was always high on Erickson Lubin. I actually was higher on Erickson Lubin than I was on Jared Hurst. Uh, I definitely feel that uh, this is a really good fight for him. Um, going forward, it's a lot of good fights for him. Going forward, it's a, it's a lot of good fights for him. So uh, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see. Listen, he has, like 2K said, he has good ring intelligence. Uh, his skill set level is 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 very very high. Like some of the troubles we actually saw Jared Hurd having problems even with Tony Harrison, Lubin wouldn't have those problems. He adjusts very well. He counters very well. He has good footwork. So I've I've always thought that you know there there should have been more attention focused on Erickson Lubin uh, than Jared Hurd. But you know going moving forward, man, I like you know I like the potential and everything that's going on here with uh. 
do you think it'd be too soon for him to be fighting uh, Charlo? Uh, no, no, and no, and and, and, yeah. and I'm gonna tell you why. If he was fighting Jamal, I would yeah. have some reservations. But he's fighting I, Jamal. But see, I, I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna jump in and say Jamal has put shown the ability to be a special fighter, and I give him a pass for that. You know that performance against Jackson. You know, first fight with Derrick James. You know, if he does, if he under you know underperforms, you know, in a couple of weeks against Hadley. Then you know we have to reassess our standing on on that. But if he's the one that the guy that fought Rosado and, and Martirosian, majority of that fight, yeah, I think yeah. you have to you have to say, okay, hold on, because a lot of people thought Jamel was the better you know fighter, myself included. Not well, not me, but a lot of people thought Jamel was the better fighter. But he definitely has to have a, a performance, a, a great performance coming off of that lackluster um, performance against Jackson for people to you know feel, you know, great about him again. But if he struggles, I I still feel that Lubin should, you know, have a fight or two before, you know, he jumps right in there because just because you have the skill, you've never been in that position, you know, and then it's for a title. So, I mean, you just got to take your time with it. All right. Uh, anybody else want to follow up on what uh, Big Cool said, uh, Bernard? I mean, I agree with the majority of the points of, the panel, I'm picking Lubin too. As for him fighting who he should get afterwards, um, I say give him. I would say give him possibly a contender before he fight Jamel Charlo. I don't think it would be a bad thing just to see where he see where he's at, you know, to see how he can handle that. Uh, I'm gonna be honest, be cool. You mentioned Montrose. Ain't no way in hell. I think right now at this point in time, Montrose is gonna step into a ring. With any of Al Haven's fighters, because he continued to take L song, right. even though he was under under Al Haven, I don't think Montrose yeah. gonna take that uh, threat. Don't get me wrong, I got Lubin winning that fight, but I got Lubin yeah. taking him out too in later round. So I was, uh, just, I was just throwing his name out there because he he always come to fight and he is definitely you know that's a we're good, just trying to see where Lubin fight. at for real. That's a good that's a good uh, opponent to measure Lubin up against. Definitely, Vanez is Montrose. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I, yeah. I agree with that part, but I just don't think. We are moderators. I think you're like he wants to blame out him for his losses, and then if he takes the L to him, he's he's gonna continue to blame out him and not himself. So yeah, I do agree. I agree with that. But as for this matchup, moderators, no. Um, I digress on that part. But uh, as for Lubin, two K said you said tenth within the tenth. You said he get him out. Yeah, I'm going eight. Uh, um, I definitely think Lubin, like Lubin, is definitely a, a talent, you know, a very talented fighter. You can see that in him. I think he gets in these laws where he gets bored in the ring, or um, I mean, he seems to get like a days ago at times. Like uh, I don't know if it's too easy for him or what. You know, he has a very accomplished amateur background, uh, so you know, like this, this is a natural for him. He's a he's a very gifted fighter. Um, I can see him take shots that he doesn't need to take at times. So stepping up in competition, that's something I like to see him be focused. You know, that's kind of why I want to see him in there against somebody uh, of note, you know, that we can really What about Trout? What about Trout? Yeah, even a Trout that, even a Trout is uh, probably a a real hard one for him. I think that's too much for him. Yeah, he's going to make him think in the ring. You know, you know, Trout even gave a, Jamal, Jamal trouble. 
you know, so, you know, yeah. So you know, he's definitely uh, that's a, a super caliber veteran right there. You know, with a lot of experience and to make him think. Um, but uh, you know, it might even be a more a tougher fight than uh, Jermail. Honestly, a trial right now. You know, uh, yeah. just on the mental capacity in the ring. Um, so yeah, we'll definitely keep our eyes uh, panned out on that one. As far as what happens with Lubin and how long they stretch out uh, his mandatory status before putting him in there against uh, Jermell. Um we're going to go into the main event of the evening at the Barclays, man. Uh, the one that everybody's been, uh, I guess, clamoring for, talking about. Um, we got Danny Garcia defending his WBC title, putting it on the line against uh, Keith Thurman, who's putting his uh, super WBA welterweight title on the line, man. Uh, unification belt, you know, we like these. This is what we like in boxing. So no complaints here, you know, on that level. Uh, with that said, man, I'm going to let TK break this one down uh, and give his prediction, man. Uh, we all going on lats with this. So uh, go ahead, TK. Well, I'm not gonna break it down, man, because I'm myself. I'm pressed for time, but I'm a, I'm a, I'm not gonna break it down to the white meat. But basically, man, there's there's a few things that jump out. Um, it's a 50-50 fight. That's number one. Okay, there's <laughs> nobody's gonna walk over anybody if you're looking at this fight on paper. Um, the one thing that Danny Garcia does that will probably, um fuck up his chances of winning um, if, if we say that he has a, a, a disadvantage would be the fact that he doesn't move enough. Um, we have seen Keith Thurman fold, not fold, I don't want to say fold, but we have seen guys that apply pressure to Keith Thurman. Um, they have success. Uh, Louis Colazzo had success before he was knocked out, going to the body, applying pressure. And of course, Sean Porter had success um, and um, you know, a lot of people thought he actually won that fight. Diego Chavez, when they fought, back when Diego Chavez was a nobody, he had success in the early rounds. I think he even hurt Thurman in the second round and had him kind of wobbling a little bit. He had success when he applied pressure. Um, so the fact that Danny Garcia is kind of flat-footed and he stands and waits, that can be a problem because he's going to allow Keith Thurman to be on the outside of him, kind of circling him, doing whatever he wants to do, right, or getting the opportunity to do whatever he wants to do. Um, with that said, Keith Thurman is not a master class boxer by any stretch of the imagination. Keith Thurman is a boxer puncher. He's the definition of a boxer puncher. Okay. Um, he's going to come in side of Danny Garcia's range numerous times in that fight. And when he's in range, that's when Danny Garcia can land those shots that he looks to land, preferably the Magic Johnson, no look, left hook, jump down to the top. And then he... And then he likes to land the same shot to the body. He actually throws a right hook to the body and then comes up top with the left hook. That's like his money two-punch combination that he always does. And he's always looking down when he does it. So he will be in range to get hit by that one-two. You see what I'm saying? So it, it, that's what makes this fight intriguing. Danny Garcia can go to the body very well. And we both know that, or we, not both of us, but we all know that uh, 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 Keith Thurman's body is made out of jello pudding. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So, with that said, if he has to get in range in order to land his own shots, 
Well, then he's given Danny Garcia the opportunity to go to the fucking body. You see what I'm saying? And hurt Thurman. So that's why it's an intriguing fight. You got both sides where there's big flaws to where if um, their opponent actually uh, um, exploits those flaws to the fullest with a the, with the well-executed game plan, they could win this fight. That's why it's a 50-50 fight. Now, my prediction, I think Keith, I like Danny Garcia's head. One thing about him is that uh, a lot of people underestimate his IQ. Danny Garcia is a smart fighter. It's kind of weird because his, his, his skills are B-level, right? But the reason why he's an elite fighter is because he's smart. But a lot of people don't give him credit for that, right? But I think Keith Thurman is a little more dynamic in the ring, and he's also just about equally smart. We've seen Keith Thurman uh, 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 overcome adversity twice, actually three times, because he was on a little bit of adversity against uh, uh, Robert Guerrero, okay? Um, he overcame adversity getting hit to the body against Luis, Luis Colazzo. He overcame the adversity of too much pressure, you know, getting, getting sacked by a motherfucking linebacker and Sean Porter, okay? He overcame adversity uh, against Robert Guerrero. He overcame the early adversity against Diego Chavez. What adversity has Danny Garcia been in where he actually overcame it and we said, yeah, he won that fight? Every fight where Danny Garcia had adversity, adversity, we thought he lost. Lamont Peterson, Mauricio Herrera. Okay, the only one was probably Zab Judah, but Zab Judah didn't. But Zab didn't do shit until later. You see what I'm saying? Danny was whooping his ass the whole fight, and then later on, he actually started coming on with that left hook. But, yeah. but even in, in a lot of those rounds, Danny was still winning those rounds. You see what I'm saying? So the fact that Thurman is the more experienced guy as far as adversity, he knows, like, hey, if I get hurt, I need to do this. If, if this happens, I need to do this. Also, he's more dynamic offensively. Another thing, I think he's – this is going to sound weird, but if we're looking at both of their defenses, Keith Thurman's defense is just slightly better because Danny Garcia is willing to get hit to give his shots. So that's what I'm saying, man. I, I got to go with Keith Thurman. I got him winning by 12-round split decision, but it's going to be a firefight. I will not be surprised if both or one of these fighters gets dropped, but I got Keith by split decision. Um, maybe I should take on this one as well, TK, man. Uh, a fighter like Keith, like you said, he's a uh, multifaceted and dynamic, but he tends to take, uh, to get away from his natural advantages, such as when he's moving around and using the whole ring, you know, uh, on his toes. Um, and he tends to give that up to try and be a pocket fighter. Um, what do you think the reason for that is, um, because he's looked unstoppable when he's using, you know, ring generalship and using the whole ring, launching into his shots. You know, that's when he's ultimately been the one time that we know him as, you know, with that KO power. Um, but he seems to lose a whole lot when he tries to stand in the pocket and fight with fighters. So let me get your take on that, man. Well, I, I see what you're saying, but this is the thing about Keith Thurman. Using the ring and stand on his toes, that's not him, to be honest with you. It's an advantage, and just like you said, he uses it where needed. Um, but his real style is a boxer-puncher. He likes to stay at mid-range distance and hurt his opponent to try to knock him out. He's not an Arislandi Lara. He's not a Floyd Mayweather. He's not a Guillermo Rigondeaux. He's not, he's, his style is not to use the ring. He, 
he's smart enough to know when to apply it and then when to abandon it and go back to what he normally is, which is a, a mid-range boxer puncher. So in this fight, I think the difference will be the rounds that he wins like by a wide margin will be him applying that ability to move around the ring, that boxing ability from the outside. The rounds that he wins close or maybe loses are the ones where he's actually standing in the pocket, allowing Danny Garcia yeah. to, to to get off at mid-range distance. But um, Danny's going to have to move, dog. If he's that flat-footed, planted fighter, he's going to lose his fight. And he's never moved before. <laughs> All right, uh, let's pass it on to the rest of the panelists on this one. Uh, well, let me get your take on it, a uh, prediction as well. Um, it is a very 50-50 fight. Uh, when people be saying, oh, this dude going to blast you, that guy, that guy going to blast you, that guy, I do want to ask motherfuckers, do you watch boxing? Yeah. Because if you know anything about it, both these guys do things that the other guy can take advantage of. For example, um, Danny Garcia's Achilles heel is guys who can move. Now, Keith Thurman isn't the, the, the biggest mover in, in boxer, like you say, he's a boxer puncher, but he can move enough that can give Danny Garcia a problem. Danny, Danny likes for you to stand there because Danny is great at getting you in the exchanges. If you watch all, all of his knockouts and stuff in this fight, he catches you in between the punches during the exchanges, and he likes you to be close upon him. Danny's not going to jab his way in. You know what I'm saying? Danny's not going to set something up, jabbing his way in. Danny's going to, you know, move move you around, try to trap you in that corner, go to your body, try to catch you in the in exchanges with the Magic Johnson, Amir Khan, career-ending, no-look-left hook. That's just what he's going to do. Uh, on, on the flip side, Keith Thurman, what Danny Garcia does is, uh, Danny Garcia also keeps his head upright. Danny Garcia does not tuck his chin down. In between, while throwing punches and in between throwing punches, Danny Garcia's head is right up there. Keith Thurman throws a left hook also as well. He likes to throw a hook. He hits Sean Porter with one. Uh, uh, Keith Thurman is a big puncher. Keith Thurman likes to try to catch you at the end of his punches from mid-range. So both of these guys do things that the other guy can capitalize on. Now, <clears throat> I originally, when we first started, I picked Keith Thurman to win this fight. Danny Garcia does find a way to win. Somebody said, well, he found a way to win. Yeah, when he was fighting the Lucas Matisse. Here lately, Danny Garcia's kind of been giving some gifts, okay? He's kind of been giving some gifts. I thought he lost to Lamont Peterson. Um, Robert DeGos Guerrero gave him all he can handle. And, and at 147, he hasn't truly really been tested at 147 like he should, you know, saying like he should have been. So I, I like Keith because regardless of, regardless of all that is said, about, you know, who Keith hasn't fought. He has not going to buy that out in a long time. Like 2K said, we've seen Keith in some iffy situations, and he's came out of it. Now, I'm not taking nothing away from Danny. It's a 50-50 fight. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I have no – like, in a 50-50 fight, when you're on a 50-50 fight, yeah. man, I, I got no problems coming saying, yeah, okay, man, I'm exactly. a 50-50 fight, cool. I'm cool with being – I'm actually like – when it's a 50-50 fight and you pick somebody, I'm actually cool with being wrong. You know, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's just how it is. But it's a 50-50 fight. I'm picking Keith only because Keith right now seems to be on the road. He seems to be determined. Now, I go back to something. Uh, even with Keith, before he's getting the spotlight he's getting now, Keith wanted to always be the dude at 147. He was calling out the Floyds and the Manny. 
I remember when he told uh, 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 Paulie, don't duck me, dude, in a, in, a pre- in a conference. Keith has always wanted to be the dude, and he knows if he gets a unification, he beats um, Danny Garcia. That makes him the man. And then that, that can put him on the path to some of the fights that he wants. Like if he wants Pacquiao, Pacquiao beats Khan. Or if he wants, you know, the, you know, the winner of Kale Brooks and, and, uh, and, and Spence. So it puts Keith Thurman in the driver's seat. That's what he's always been hungry for. All right. Do uh, you got a prediction? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Thurman. Keith Thurman. I got okay. Keith Thurman by unanimous decision. All right. Let me pass it to your partner in crime. I don't think he knocks out. I'm, I'm, let me say one thing. People that say Thurman's going to knock out Danny, Danny Garcia has a chin. I think people yeah. are underrating Danny Garcia's chin. He boy has, he has a an chin. excellent chin. Excellent chin. Yeah, he has a chin. All right, uh, Bernard, your prediction? Uh, my prediction is Thurman. Now, I understand Garcia got a good chin, but I'm going to make another prediction. I think Thurman knocks on Danny Garcia down for the first time. Okay. I can see that. Yeah. What's that? I can see that. But yeah, but I also want to say this though. Thurman would have to be care uh, yeah, excuse me, be careful of Danny Garcia's counter punching. Yep. If you notice if he's become real aggressive, that's gonna play right into Danny Garcia's hand. And if you notice when Robert Go- the Ghost Guerrero was boxing Danny Garcia, he was doing well. Soon as he became aggressive and trying to start brawling Garcia started counterpunching, and that, that left hook was just started to land, and it started playing into his um, benefit. So I do agree with y'all. This is a 50 50 fight, but my pick on this one is Thurman. All right, and uh, be cool to round it out. And <clears throat> y'all already know who I'm picking. Y'all see my Facebook post, and I'm confident in my pick. It is a 50 50 fight, and I know both say you're picking somebody to. I mean, I don't know if you said knockout or dominate or whatever, you don't watch boxing. Look, it could still be a competitive fight and end in a knockout, and that's what's going to happen. I think that Danny going to catch Thurman with something to the body, and he's not going to let him off the hook. Uh, Porter did, Colazzo did, um, but Danny won't. But I agree with both of y'all, 2K, all y'all, that Thurman has to be able to, you know, he has to box, come in and out, use his foot movement. Um, if he does that and Danny can't adjust and counter him and time him, then he, he'll win a unanimous decision. But if he let – if Danny can time him and counter him, I think that he, he's going to set him up with some some big left hook to the body that uh, that's going to hurt Keith. And I think he's going to hurt him bad enough where Keith not going to be able to escape um, the pain and, and, you know, escape to the next round in this fight. So I got Danny stopping him in the ninth round be a body shot, and to unify, the, um, you know, the title. So I guess I'm the odd person out uh, uh, with Danny, riding with Danny in this fight. But he rides to the occasion. Um, he did it against Matisse. He didn't do it against Peterson, but he's doing it against Thurman. And he does have a great chin. And I think, they, um, you know, he's going to win. and win the president. All right. Um, I'm actually probably the only other one on the panel that agrees with you. So, um I definitely got uh, Danny winning. Like, uh, as mentioned, he, he finds a way to win, you know. Uh, he was counted out against a lot of people. Nobody, nobody expected him to be Matisse. Nobody expected him to be Khan, you know. Uh, 
So he, he knows how to pull in the pull in the clutches, you know. Um, yeah, you know, I, I just think it's something uh, as far as Thurman is going to stand in the pocket too much and to get into too many exchanges with Danny and get caught with something. Um, you know, Danny is a uh, real wise with his punch selection. You know, that's one thing he is. Uh, especially going with the body and all that too, and you know, uh, that's. That being said, they said it's going to be a key focus uh, in the fight. You know, um, I think he's more effective than the Colazzo was, more effective than the than the Sean Porter was. You know, because Porter tends to uh, to crown himself. You know, coming in wildly the way he does, but you know that's just his uh, pressing style. You know, so he tends to tends to you know give away a lot of his punches by doing that. Um, whereas Danny, he's a whole lot more compact with his. Um, better range, um, so I think he'll he actually will touch up Keith a lot in this fight. You know, we've seen Guerrero have some success against Keith, and you know, batter him a little bit in the later rounds. So I mean, I look forward to be a systematic breakdown, and you know, he's gonna take it into those championship orders, and that's where we're gonna see what it is, man. Um, I'm not going with a knockout. I think he'll definitely uh, get a decision though. Um, I'm gonna go with a majority or split decision on this one uh, for DSG. One thing I want to say before you go to the next topic, man, is you know, you just mentioned it, and I've seen it. I've seen it all around social media. People mentioning uh, Lucas Matisse. Those are two totally different fighters. Um, and I'm actually one of the ones that had Danny Garcia beating Lucas Matisse prior to that fight. I actually put money on Danny Garcia, and I took home a pretty hefty purse after that fight. I'm sitting in a in a bar you know, watching it on the undercard of uh, Canelo Mayweather, and I'm sitting there watching the fight, you know, unscathed and unshocked because I knew this was going to happen. Luis Matisse, while he had a lot of uh, different things that he could bring into the ring, he wasn't a very smart fighter. Um, he was, he's also a guy that couldn't adjust. Uh, Keith Thurman is a very smart fighter, and he can adjust. Uh, two totally different fights. That's why I tell people not to really harp too much on the Lucas Matisse fight going into this one because it's not going to be the same thing. No, I know it won't be the same. I was just referencing, you know, the underdog. You know, he was labeled. Yeah. He didn't have yeah. a chance. That's what I was referencing, though, yeah. Other than power, yeah. even though I think Thurman is probably a bigger puncher than Matisse, uh, it's just the adversity type. Well, I think he rises to the occasion. You know, um, he didn't do it against Peterson, but I think that Thurman – um, it's the guy that's gonna bring it out of him, and he he knows he's gonna have to be on his P's and Q's. But if he's getting hit by uh Thurman like he was against Herrera and uh and Peterson, he could very well be knocked down, or it'll be a stoppage. Because I don't see him standing up to that no matter how great his chin is. You know, he didn't get hit that cleanly against Matisse other than a few times. But Thurman is a way better fighter uh, than Matisse, well, and you know. A testament to how good his chin is, Matisse hit that motherfucker with a yeah. right hook and knocked his mouthpiece out of his mouth. I mean, and he didn't even budge. Yeah, he so ate that, that tells you how good. Yeah, that tells you how good Danny Garcia's chin is, man. So yeah, it is, yeah, yeah I, he can take a shot, but repeatedly from Thurman, I don't know if he'll be able to, you know, whether somebody stop it or his chin just falter. I don't know if he can just take clean shots like that, you know, all night. Which you know he's gonna get hit because like I said, Keith is a way better fighter than Matisse, and he can create you know his you know create openness himself. So I agree, his chain is great, but you know everybody has a great chain, but you keep getting hit repeatedly, you eventually gonna you know you eventually gonna fall. Great. 
All right. Uh, so that's going to bring us to our UOE No segment of the uh, evening before we get up out uh, on this day. Uh, 1984, uh, surprising one, Rocky Lockridge uh, knocked out <laughs> Roger Mayweather in one of 2K's favorite towns, Beaumont, Texas. <laughs> and, <laughs> and round number one <laughs> to win the WBA Super Featherweight title. So, uh, that was big his first up loss, too, wasn't it? Wasn't that his yeah. first loss? Yep. yep. Right. That's yeah, one of those Scott. Uh, that's one of them. Came in there overconfident and got clocked round one. Yep. <laughs> that's one of them Scott. Uh, that's one of them Scott Canopy specials, ain't it? Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely a Scott. <laughs> 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 definitely had to pull this one up out, man, uh, out of the bank. Um, but yeah, so big up to both of those, both of those cats, man. Uh, you know, balance of health issues and all that. But you know, um, so we want to give our, our prayers and. You know, our thoughts out to them, but, you know, both great champions, you know what I'm saying? Um, with that said, the final blow is on 2K this week. Um, he's managed to duck and dodge it the past couple of weeks. So, yeah, it's on you, man. <laughs> need that even be? He's tripping with that ducking and dodging shit. That's big cool over there, boy. Hey, nah, hell uh, no. <laughs> hell no. <that> be... <laughs> you need that eat the beat. Let me know if you need that eat the beat. Nah, it ain't going to be that, man. It's going to be short. I'm actually going to um, praise boxing this year, man. We're two months in, man, and we got some excellent fights on the docket, and we've had some excellent fights that have passed. One thing I want to mention is that um, a lot of fights that we're seeing this year, is we're seeing prospects get in the ring with very good fighters, you know, Sammy Vasquez and, and uh, Louis Colazzo. We just had Jared Hurd and Tony Harrison. You know what I'm saying? We're seeing some some of the prospects out there actually get, take good fights, whereas years prior, a lot of the prospects um, were fighting D-level fighters all the way up until, you know, they actually get ranked number one and get their title shot. You know, they're actually going through the motions the way they should be so far as, 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 as the year has played out. That's one thing I want to mention. But most importantly, man, uh, I think um, – Showtime, Roy Jones Jr., you know, Floyd Mayweather, uh, or at least a, a, an affiliate of TMT, and other entity, entities in the sport have watched uh, my channel. They've watched, uh, you know, my channel, which is the Gods of Boxing Talk, Bo and Bernard's channel, which is Truth and Facts About Boxing, and they've listened to this podcast, as we have all, and other, other sources out there, we've all tried to push the concept of bringing women's boxing to the spotlight. And in just two months of this year, we've got two, two, well, one up-and-coming promotional company in TMT signing a female fighter and promoting more female boxing. We've got Roy Jones Jr. signing a, a female fighter and promoting women's boxing. And then you've got a major network who's actually allowing a woman to headline a major card on the network, being the first woman to do so in Clarissa Shields. Um, also, in watching the... Um, the Cecilia Brackett versus uh, Clara Svensson fight, Michael Buffer was announcing the fucking fight. Yeah, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're starting to see all of a sudden better promotion of women's boxing uh, in just two months in. And um, I, I did a final blow on this a few episodes back, and I said that in 2017 I want to see this problem rectified 
And I have to say that I'm satisfied as to what I'm seeing uh, thus far. And I hope, you know, boxing and all the entities within boxing can continue doing what they're doing. So big up to everybody uh, who who is doing their due uh, diligence, supporting these women out there. And big ups to uh, boxing as a whole. Um, and the start of uh, uh, 2017, man, we're on we're on a good track for uh, for success. Yes, sir. All right, that's a, a big one. Uh, definitely big up on that final blow. And like I said earlier, um, I did tweet Stephen Espinoza earlier. It did get some good feedback as far as uh, bringing Cecilia Brackett to Showtime Sports, bringing Amanda Serrano to Showtime Sports. Like we need to see these chicks televised. You know what I'm saying? More often, man. Um, I shouldn't have said chicks either. Sorry about these women. Um, yeah. <laughs> you better learn it. You better learn it, Twan. Be on your own. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I just killed a completely positive message with that. Oh, shit. <laughs> my bad, y'all. Uh, but, yeah, for my co-host, man, TK the God from the Gods of Boxing Talk. Cool from Colossal, Colossal Boxing Talk, uh, Bo and Bernard of the Truth and Facts About Boxing, and I am Twine B. Liberty of HoopJab.com and Rocky Mountain Boxing. Um, to the next episode, man, thank you for uh, tuning in, man. Peace. Peace. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.